There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I know what love is. I love you. You complete me. I may have never been kissed on Notting Hill, but I found a podcast you get the film. Maybe I'm clueless, but this is good as it gets. Paige, Mikey, and Todd serving the best of my best friend's wedding. Rom-coms, true love, and heavy petting. Be crying on the couch, but we're not forgetting. The most of these flicks are trash, we live it again. All romance in the podcast. You want it. You got it. You want it, cause baby, you got it. As you wish. For tuning into Romance in the Pod, you had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Mikey made us watch Jerry Maguire. Harry Vagina. What? What? I think Mikey watched the wrong movie, Paige. Uh oh. I watched oh, the porn parody no. again. Oh, I knew it was weird. <laughs> I watched an erotic documentary again. Um. <laughs> okay. I think I saw this once. As a child, when my mom watched it. Sure. I have never paid attention. It was like watching it brand new. Great. And I'm going to come out. I'll come out with opinions. I don't know what y'all thought of it. But I had very low expectations. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> now, Cameron Crowe, he's a bit meandering in his directorial style. But I really liked it, I think. I liked it. I didn't hate it. I was like, oh, this guy's like trying to be better, but accidentally marries somebody. We've all been there. <laughs> Shit. Honestly, though, yeah, I have been there. <laughs> he did it for health insurance they said it in the book that he I, literally does do it for health insurance that's so crazy i do think this is the most human i think i've seen tom hanks no tom cruise be in a movie oh see i i d- heartily disagree but i'll save it for my dissertation in a few moments continue he basically grows a conscience because he's killing people and then writes this big thing and then does uh, he or does he get forced into it by being fired anyway continue well he wrote the thing first and it caused him to be fired he wrote it while he was probably having some sort of breakdown but go ahead yeah i mean i think that's clear well we'll get into that when we get into the movie yeah because he wants to take it back he tries to take it back Paige, i felt the same way yeah I don't know. I, I liked it. I, 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 I liked it. Hey, Mikey, he, spoiler alert. I sort of like this movie, but it's like not great. And, and we can talk about it. But like it is a movie that is for white guys of our generation, you know? So like I get it, but it's not great on other levels. I, I feel like it was two people using each other for a minute. And then at least they say it in the film. Or like, she's like, I used you. You're using me. Yeah. I don't know how she used him. She does say that, 
But I didn't see that happen. I just saw her fall in love with her boss, which is problematic, but that happens, you know? Did we see that or did we see them spend a handful of hours together? (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, Paige, I low-key don't hate this movie. It's fine. I saw it once in high school. So a little bit after it came out, but we, I remember watching this in my friend's basement in high school. My recollection of this movie is it was like wall-to-wall football and then mm-hmm. like a love story tacked in for the ladies or whatever. So they would agree to go see this with the boyfriends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think for the most part, that's more or less this movie, but mm-hmm. there's way more romance in it than I remembered. Like we do get some touching moments with, Tom Cruise and the family And I I thought that that was fun I completely forgot Bonnie Hunt was in this movie And she like in every movie She's in steals the fucking show She's so great But there was way more romance in it Than I thought there was going to be Like from my recollection of it Mm. That is to say, there's not a lot still. <laughs> there's not. There's more with him and the kid than there is with her. And when she yeah. finally calls it out in the movie, and she's like, "You love my kid, but you only kind of like me," I was like, "Thank God, somebody <laughs> said it," because it's really fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, I I do think it's two people who got married way too early. For oh yeah, I've had friends who got married for like, oh, I'm shipping off, or like you get paid more in the military, oh, yeah. or yeah, yeah, yeah stuff like that, idea. or like he's moving across country, but we've been dating six months. And it's like, we're just going to go for it. I'm like, well, you know, Mm -mm. that's brave. But there's a thin line between brave and stupid. I've crossed it many times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've made many brave mistakes, Paige. And Mm -hmm. Mikey, let me be clear with you. I I am glad that because Jake and I started dating and then his his mom got sick. He had to move back to Texas and we did not get married. We just continued to have a relationship long distance. And then when he moved back, it continued in person. And Never have I been more justified in that decision than watching this movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I do think it's crazy, like, the way he proposes, quote, unquote, proposes in this movie. Yeah, There's a lot wrong with this. Yeah, it's not great. Well, I mean, it's a male-centric movie. That's why it's named Jerry Maguire, which surprises me that women, I guess, really loved this movie at the time. I don't know how a woman could love this movie. Because it's, like, all sports-centric. People must, but I hated this movie. And it's all his perspective. Yes. Yes. So it's definitely, like, a male-centric movie. I did like that he broke up with his fiance. Yeah, I mean, sure, but, I mean, that's John Travolta's (laughs) wife, so, like, you can't go there, really. Oh, that all (laughs) Also made me feel very weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I just meant like you know he's like you're not nice or whatever, and he's like I just don't I don't want this to be over. I think it's nice to see people struggle to be better who were kind of assholes, but he is kind of an asshole. I don't know that he gets really better. I guess for I will say, P- Paige, at the end of this movie, I do buy that he loves his wife now, but like mm. he's done a lot of terrible shit to get to that point, and like. I'm glad you got there, but like you're not a great guy just because you did. I think he barely knows his wife. Uh, I think maybe (laughs) he likes her more at the end. I think now that they're a year in that this is the time you could you can love people. Falling in love with someone is much different than loving someone. And it's hard to do that. I don't even think they're a year in. No, I I think they go out of their way to say it's about three months in. Yes, because when it, it flashes to the actual football game, we do see. That's yeah, a three yeah. month jump. And they they were newlyweds before that. So they might be four yeah. months, five months. But yeah, it's quick. But to be a movie this quoted, yes. I thought the romance would be a bigger part of it. Like you had me at hello. Everyone knows that. And it's show, show me the you money on the other me? side of it. You complete me is like <laughs> oh, a whole thing. Yeah. 
No, yeah. absolutely. Was this the first time you saw it, Paige? Uh, I had seen huge sections of this on television. I don't think I had ever sat all the way through it. Okay. So, like, I had seen the You Complete Me. I had seen You Had Me at Hello. I had seen Show Me the Money. Like, I had seen most of it. Uh, I'm going to start by saying this movie could be an hour shorter. How dare you make me sit through two and a half hours of this shit? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> also, I think this is just me. I don't find Tom Cruise charming really at all. I like him in action movies. Like I like him in a Mission Impossible. Science fiction, I think, is his best Science fiction, genre. like Edge of Tomorrow or even Top Gun. Mm-hmm. I loved the most recent Top Gun. I thought it was way better than it had any right to be. Also, 90 minutes. Take notes. Uh, but <laughs> It's just take one note. I realize I'm saying, I'm saying that to like an award-winning director. I'm an asshole. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I also I think... had issues with the pacing in this movie, Paige. You are not alone. I am here with you. Cameron <laughs> Crowe is far away. His movies are way too long. Uh, Oh, come on, Cameron Crowe makes movies too long. I think they feel like novels where there's like 17 subplots going on too much. But here's here's my thing about this movie. This movie feels like a corporate memo in which a lot of things are said that amount to nothing. There is no <laughs> substance to this movie, really. He doesn't have much of an arc. He's not a good person the whole time. She's barely a character where she is somehow in love with him. Why? They don't even spend time together. Like the one thing thing that I did like that I thought this movie actually did well is that it had like a really a couple really good sex scenes between the two of them but then the score is fucking bonkers and takes you out of the moment to the point where I couldn't even enjoy that. Well, D'Angelo hadn't come out yet, Paige. So D'Angelo they were just like struggling for sexy jams. You know, you know? what are you going to do? But <laughs> the thing I was kind of getting at with Tom Cruise, I like him in action movies because he has an intensity that I think serves an action science fiction movie. But in this and in literally every movie we have watched of him this past month and a half, however long we've been doing this, that intensity to me is so off-putting. I can't enjoy him as a romantic lead where it feels like every conversation he is lecturing the lady lead. He is constantly lecturing everyone. And I hate it a lot. And I don't get it. I'm like, why? Why are we supposed to root for him at all? I don't understand because he goes from being kind of a rich douchebag to like having one night where he's like, maybe I shouldn't be a rich douchebag types of this thing in a manic episode, sends it to a bunch of people and then is like, oh shit, did those go out? And they're like, yeah, people already have them. And he's like, fuck me. Okay, but I've totally had that happen before. Of course. But it it wasn't work shit. It was like, oh my God, guys, I wrote this sketch script. Can you guys read it? And they're like, Todd, it's 2.30 a.m. Go to bed. <laughs> hey, that's when the best sketch writing gets done. <laughs> I thought my idea for like a Roadhouse Olympics where it's like uh, bouncing Olympics. Where like, <laughs> uh, get ready. They're remaking Roadhouse. Are they really? Wait, who's going to be Patrick Swayze? I forget. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, jeez. It's just going to be a different vibe. Yeah, anyway. So like he loses his job. He fights like hell to get it back. He treats his one client that stuck by him kind of shitty for most of the movie until he has no other option because the other client leaves him. And then he kind of just drags this lady along the way. Yeah. Like when she clearly has feelings that are maybe not returned, but he's horny. And so whatever. Yeah. So the entire movie, I'm like, why is he the? Why are we supposed to root for him? Why does this movie treat him like some sort of fucking hero? I can't. (laughs) Well. 
I can tell you why. She did not have to go with him. That was a bad decision. You have a child. It is a bad decision, for sure. I mean, Bonnie Hunt did tell her that, yes. Yeah, but, everyone tells her that. I mean, if she has any close friend, that is what they say. You know, every woman in that, like, divorced or widowed yes. group. That they portray as as evil assholes that are just speaking sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you know, every one of them took her aside privately and was like, I bet the old one was like, uh, that guy has more red flags than Lennon. Stay away. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, girl, I'm going to need you to maintain a separate bank account. Wink, <laughs> wink. Yeah, like, that, that's what it was. Exactly. She also has red flags. She is in love with him on the first date. She says oh, it to her sister. she is not okay. For no reason. Follows him. Risks her son's livelihood. My, like, my hope for her would be that when they broke up in this movie, they would have stayed bro- broken up and then she would have sought counseling where a counselor would have said, have you considered why you're attracted to people who are emotionally unavailable and want to manipulate and use you? You have a caretaker mentality, but it is making it hard for you to take care of yourself. How do you feel about that? And then she would have cried a lot because it's Renee Zellweger. And then that would have been a completely different movie. But that's not what we get. We get a movie that treats this weird dude as a hero. I do think one of the reasons I like this, because at this time in my life, if I met this single mom. Oh, for I'm sure. All, I'm all in. Yeah. But you're not Tom Cruise, though. Like, that's different. Hey. I think we know I am Tom Cruise. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta say, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, that no. was risky business. Yeah, no, what well, it was risky no, business. Now you just gotta say, show me the money. Show, show me, me the, the money! money. <laughs> that subplot is too long. Yes. Um. Yeah, it is, although it's more interesting than the whole rest of the fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, so like, to me, this is not a, a romantic movie. This is not a romantic this movie This is a at story all. about a man and his agent Becoming friends and learning to work together. Yes, and I do think yes. they will be together as friends forever. I don't yes. think Renee Zellweger and Tom Cruise are going to stay together at the end of this movie. You know what I'm saying? I think he knocks her up that night because no. that's the next unhealthy step those people are going through. No, Mikey, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. He is gonna stick by Cuba Gooding Jr. Through a messy divorce that is going to be super expensive for him. Thank God they got that eleven point four million. And then Cuba Gooding Jr. is going to sit and quietly drink brandy next to him while he goes through a brutal divorce <laughs> with Renee Zellweger because she's going to get half that company. Half by the way, that nut. And then yeah. they're going to be two very old, unhappy but still pretty rich men who play poker with each other and be like bitches, right? And just exclusively date women 20 to 30 years their junior for the rest of their life. I think they're going to make it. I honestly think Cuba Gooding Jr. and his wife in this movie do make it. They might make it. They might make they're it. They're so good together. I want them to make it because I love her. She's great. She has, uh, we're talking about Cuba Gooding Jr.'s wife in this movie, right? Yeah, she yeah, 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 has yeah. such a small role that she fucking crushes. She has like, She's so no good. joke, five or six scenes, like not a whole lot of screen time. I mean, she goes on to have a fantastic career, which is great. She absolutely yes. does. Yeah. Love Watchmen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Regina King is just awesome in general. And this is early, early, early Regina King. But she's so good. She knocks it out of the park in this movie. She's so good. When she's on the phone with him and she's like, this world is my family and my family does not work without him. I started crying. Like, just from her. Like, she's so good. Yeah. Well, and 
Honestly, Kelly Preston, hilarious. In I this know. Movie. <laughs> she she, she really might is. have been one of my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah. Their relationship is hilarious and wild. Dude, I love Bonkers. it. The first time we meet his fiance is they are fucking. Like they are going oh, at yeah. it. And she's like, never stop. And he's like, eventually I'm gonna have <laughs> I, to I stop. I will have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I found that so funny. It's one of those <laughs> things I did not remember from this movie, but I was like, oh shit, that's very funny. Ugh. So should we get in this movie so we can go through it scene by scene? Sure. Let's do it. So we open on voiceover from Tom Cruise who goes through like a bunch of young athletes and is like America sets the tone for the world and we're the athletes and the power and money and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, I hate this already. It's all just like that. America is the center of pop culture in the world, which I think to a large extent is true. And I do think that uh, he has a pretty problematic job when it comes to how interested he is in underage children. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, really interested for it. their sports capacity. I'm not sure, you know, but sure. like. Yeah. And and here's the thing. I know his job seems slimy, but there's a reason agents exist. Yeah. And is the pricing for professional athletics inflated? Maybe. You know, like, that's a different discussion. He His job is to advocate for the people he works for, right? And it yeah. seems like he's good at that, but he's also a shark. Like, immediately... We are we are watching him be a careless corporate shark, like brutal Jack Donaghy levels of evil for like the first 20 minutes of this film. Yeah. And we see him do some real dark shit like they cut away to a scene of him like shielding one of his clients where they're like, was the girl 16 or 17? And I'm like, both are bad. Like, both. Yeah. It both did, would neither be one underage. of those is good. <laughs> Actually, depending upon the state, one might sure. be legal and one's not. I it's honestly don't know. It's still bad. Yeah, it's no, still it's gross. terrible. <laughs> but he turns around and says, the only thing that we do know is this man can play football or something like that. Yeah, it's Which is like, awful. oh, that's not even a good thing to say. Like, oh, but that's 100% how the NFL works, I think. <laughs> Allegedly. They will straight up murder people and be like, yeah, but like, he's so good. Yeah. Well, and I'll point it out when we get to it, because I wrote it down in my notes. But at one point, he's talking to uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in one of the locker room bathrooms, and there's just a Sharps container on the counter. I was just like, damn. <laughs> For steroids. Like, it's, that is that prevalent. that They're just like, the team Sharps container is right here. <laughs> I didn't even realize that that's what sharps were. I, I have no idea. Oh, sharps for syringes. Oh, okay. Huge one on the counter. I was like, whoa. Actually, it looks like they filmed it on location. I wonder they if they did. Just, yeah, okay. I think someone just forgot to move it. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> I was wow. like, oh, no. Yeah, a lot of your 1990s Arizona Cardinals were juiced. Well, everyone was juiced. Yeah. Do you not remember baseball back then? Oh my God! Yes, Sammy Sosa and all those those guys, Mark McGuire and yeah, um, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. But Todd, you and I have been listening to the Behind the Bastards on Vince McMahon, and just like yes, we have how fucking <laughs> loaded Hulk Hogan was all the time on a cocktail of steroids of like a ton and of fucking steroids and cocaine and yeah. any number of things. I was just like. Holy shit, how are more of these people not dead? Like, this is terrifying. Yeah. 
Oh, God. Anyway, we cut to one of his people has gotten hurt. He's got a concussion. He's not doing great. He comes out of it and he's like, oh, good. You're awake and alive. All right. Bye. You know, because he gets a bonus if he keeps playing. Yeah. They even like make a point of saying that. Like, it's very clear in that scene that they think he may have a significant head injury and not be able to remember like his wife and kids. Yes. And he does. So he's like past that part of it. Clearly a bad concussion though But he's like I have to play on Saturday If I play 60% of my games Then I get a bonus And I have to get that bonus And I, I feel like that this interaction Is obviously what makes Tom Cruise Lose his mind this night right Well yeah cause this kid It's Drake Bell Little tiny Is it Drake, Drake Bell, Bell? Is yes. it really holy shit <laughs> Fun fact burned it's Drake Bell <laughs> Well Drake Bell has googled CTE And was like giving Tom Hanks The, <laughs> the well, heat about it Well this is probably about a decade before Google Google, but yes yeah it, it is wild that this child is like you know he's got five concussions and after a while cte can start to erode the soft brain matter and he's like <laughs> you and the eight pound head kid should hang out uh, <laughs> but he basically is like i don't like who i've become and so he holds up in a hotel room and seems to have a crisis of conscience he's like it wasn't a mental breakdown it was a breakthrough and i was like hmm Okay, here's what I wish this movie would open. I, I think they would they should have swung harder for like a pivot moment. Yes. I think this guy should have died, the hockey player. Sure. I Yeah. And I and Tom Hanks blame himself. You mean Tom right? Cruise? Yeah. Tom Cruise. I would watch the shit out of Tom Hanks in this movie. <laughs> oh my god, Tom Hanks would have made this watchable for me. Tom Hanks, yeah. Meg Ryan. Let's I, do I it. want Tom Let's Cruise getting drunk after this guy dies to write like agents are part of the problem. We're hurting the people we're supposed to protect. Yeah. Like uh, an op-ed, like an open letter yeah. that is published mm -hmm. in like the New York Times or whatever. Right. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I just don't think this, the pivot moment is strong enough, like what you're saying, Paige, to be believable for changing his whole life. And like then, then he falls back on it. Well, and it's also in the wrong place. Yeah. I wish we had less of the sports subplot more of like this guy dies he yes. writes a memo he struggles with self-doubt about is this the right thing to do or maybe this impossible to be good in this world or whatever and have them their relationship talk about that or her supporting on that i like that angle so i think i think this should have swung harder this kid talking to him during the guy's funeral would have been a nice scene something i mean i think what it would have been and what i kind of thought we were going to get because i didn't remember the end of this movie outside of just the like quotables I thought for sure Cuba Gooding Jr. was going to die on the field. Natalie asked me that. Yeah. She was like, wait, does he die? And I was like, no. Because he hits his neck he hard. Does. I mean, that injury would, I believe, at least knock you out. And which he is knocked out. Like, that's all it is. But like, yeah. if you land like that the wrong, just the wrong way, you could be paralyzed yeah. for the rest of your life. Or killed. Yeah. Or, or die. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, 20 years from now, he's just going to murder his entire family. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and forget that he had video cameras in his house. But I thought about if he had died, because clearly Regina King would have been inconsolable. Yeah. Right. You know, even just him being hurt, her reaction. And for me, that reaction was way more powerful for him to be like, oh, my God, the only thing that really matters are the people that love you. And I, why did we push him to do this? Yeah. You know, or whatever. And that would have brought him back to... I don't know why they got married at all in this movie. Health insurance. Yeah, for health insurance. But he's unemployed. So through fucking who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that was my... When, when they're doing it, I was like, why is this... Why? He what? was very rich when he starts his own business. 
but he's broke when they get married. Like she says it. That's like the whole. Re- it makes no sense. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so uh, he writes this thing. He gives it to everybody. All of his like coworkers are like, "This is a death sentence." Basically, like it's like if I went to work and was like, "Dear insurance companies, quality care is not happening for anyone in the healthcare system. This is all the reasons why I think you're the worst, and that our company is messed up by agreeing to work with you." Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so. He is like, well, it's out there, but he does try to take it back. He wakes up the next morning and is just like, this was a bad idea. Uh, I wonder if I can get those back too late. They've already gone out. Yeah. So we cut to about a week later. He meets a lady on a plane and this plane conversation is real weird. Meanwhile, one of the other ladies from the office is on the same plane, but it's not a business trip. So why is no, she it was there? A business trip. But she doesn't travel, though. She's one of the office people. So she's not on a business trip. She literally says in the airport that she was at the junket with them. Oh. But, I don't, but, but Paige, you're not wrong. Why would they bring an accountant to a junket like that? I don't know. And why would she bring her kid with her? She has to work. These are all great <laughs> questions. <laughs> but but like, Bonnie Hunt exists in this movie. And I'm just like. I, no, I know. I know. Because he needs uh, to meet the I kid. Know. Like, they, I know why the movie does it. Right. But in the real world, it makes no sense. It doesn't. No, Bonnie Hunt, who is a saint in this movie. Love her. Uh, and every time I see her, I'm so excited. Always. But like, she would have fully just watched the kid. You know, because they live there, right? She lives there, right? They live there. I thought so. Yes. Anyway, her kid's barfing on the plane because he's allergic to a blanket, which is never a reaction I have had. But hey, allergies be doing weird things. Yeah. This scene really just serves so we get to hear Tom Cruise is engaged and we get to hear his engagement story, which truthfully isn't all that great. No, it's terrible. Renee Zellweger is like listening in on it like... Oh, isn't this so romantic? I wonder if my life could ever be like that. That's right? like the kind of moment they're trying to build. But it's like, I, I mean, I get it. Like, I didn't hate this movie, but like, it would be done so differently if it was today. That's my only oh, point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, my, well, my thing is like, it, I don't even think of it as like a this is aged badly thing. So much as that his engagement story is so bougie and self-serving. Yeah. And for her to be like, oh, if it could be me, I was like, if it could be you, a guy that doesn't even care about his fiance enough to stop flirting with the girl next to him. Like, what are you, what are you oh, fantasizing yeah, about? It does seem like Tom Cruise is trying to have sex with that woman like oh if he had asked that woman would have been in that first class bathroom with him doing some second class shit you know what i'm saying yes 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 (laughs) i will say he's very rich and i guess decent looking so women do go after tom cruise a lot in this film it's interesting i mean yeah i'm not gonna stand here and say he's not good looking tom cruise is absolutely good looking like we know that middle tooth really freaks me out i'm gonna be honest with you his jawline though like i get it but he's so intense that i'm like i wouldn't want to hang out with you i wouldn't want to be around you in an action movie i can kind of just look at him and be like this is nice he's not talking (laughs) most of the time his intensity makes sense in a violent setting yeah, when he's like chasing saying. down a bomb, I'm like, all right. Well, and I think he knows it. I think this is like the last movie he made. I think that's why he pivoted. The, yeah, I, I don't. This is like the last movie he made that wasn't a sci fi action movie or a Mission Impossible, right? Which is action. That's a, yeah, that's an action movie. Yeah. Uh, what's the one where it resets every day? That's a romance. 
It's like a Edge sci-fi romance. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. As much a romance as this is, yes. It is. Well, because he travels back in time to try and save her. Like, that movie made me cry buckets. I do love that movie. It's That's great. probably one of his best movies. Surprisingly, yes. It was one of those things that, like, it didn't do well in theaters. And then when I saw it, I was just like... Why didn't this do well? This is really interesting. I own that movie. I, I think that movie is very you. rewatchable. Me too. I like it a I lot. I would agree with you. Bill Paxton fucking kills it in that movie. He does. Another movie of Tom Cruise's I didn't see, but it's in the sci-fi realm that I saw later on streaming that I thought was really great was Oblivion. It's not as good as Edge of Tomorrow, but I thought it was a really cool movie. Which one? Oblivion? Yeah. Yeah. I, I dug Oblivion. I liked War of the Worlds. Yeah. He is a great deadbeat dad. Like that is his, that's what he needs to pivot to. War of the Worlds it's I I know it's most people don't consider it a horror movie. That movie scared me in a way that many movies have not been able to because I have an intense fear of desperate people in desperate situations. God, you would hate dating me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but there's like a scene in that movie that has stuck with me forever where they get carjacked. Uh, someone takes their car. They get out. That guy gets into a car and drops the gun and another guy just picks up the gun and shoots him to take the car. And I was like, yeah. holy shit. Just the complete de-evolution of humanity. I'm just like, oh God. We should do another like monster or alien invasion month or something. And Love it. Like Night of the I, Comet. I would do Night of the Comet, War of the Worlds. But yeah, I thought it was... Like, I know that they're trying to make it that she's like, oh, my God, his life is so glamorous. Oh, to be loved and desired like that. And I'm like, no, like I, it is so superficial that I'm just like, this is not love and desire, really. That's why, like in me on the podcast, they're like his life must be so glamorous. He's so lovable and desirable. I'm not. I'm just a fucking mess. We know, Mikey. We know. I know you two know. But Mikey, I can fix you. Oh, that's how she feels. Yeah. That, that mean, is, that how, they is feel. how they feel. <laughs> that's Renee Selriger right there. If you don't think Natalie was like, oh, I mean, he's a project, but it'll work. When she started dating me. Yeah. And then you only did Mission Impossible movies for like yeah. 20 years. <laughs> I look good on film when I run, Paige. The science is there. That's right. Like, that's how I feel about him whenever he's not in a science fiction movie. Like, I've watched too many Scientology interviews with Tom Cruise for me to see him as a romantic lead. But a guy who's like, the ship is coming. I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course. This fits so well. Yeah. A guy fighting Henry Cavill in a bathtub, like a bathroom, take my money. Let's go. <laughs> and also Top Gun. Man, that new Top Gun. I know, man. Well, you know why I like the new Top Gun? Because it's not as cynical as all of these, like, take old properties and remake the movies are not going to name names last Jedi. No, Mikey, it really is. I think a, a true handoff. I would say. Yes. Yes. I feel like they knew what they were doing with top gun, which was a hour and 30 minute Navy propaganda film that yep. is hot fire. Yes. And then they did another one 25 <laughs> years later and it fucking slaps. And like, they didn't try and make it dark like the Batman movies did or whatever. I've got to watch Captain Picard drink wine and be depressed. I've got to watch Luke drink green milk and be depressed and burned oh, out. Oh, that was real upsetting. I've got to watch, I've got all of them. All of, like Rambo. Like all, like oh, why can't- Blade Runner 2049. Well, I mean, that was not a super it fun time back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That at least fits with the 
It does. Property. I would say that one matched the tone of the original one too. Prey is not cynical. No, but no, I'm talking about like movies that take your heroes, they bring them to the present, and they're like, "Yeah, everything I did 20 years ago, well, I just do heroin now." And you're like, "Okay, well, like, <laughs> thanks, Sodoro, but this is a weird conversation." <laughs> Han Solo was supposed to be a be- like the trilogy made him a better guy. Now he's a deadbeat dad. Like that's not why. So he didn't change. That's who. That's who he would have been, Mikey. I don't think he ever truly became a better guy <laughs> he changed when he left the money behind and came back to the death star man nah. anyway for me new top gun is first of all perfect length secondly new cast that still fits thirdly a story where our our older person is a mentor but actually gets fulfillment out of that and also men's relationships and it's just like a whole bunch of planes doing like for like 90 minutes it's great I feel like it's generally optimistic like their characters are not bad people they're just like trying to like do the what they can yeah they're just trying to get over goose's death yeah they're just working through the fact that his new mentor did kill his father indirectly first off yeah. a malfunctioning ejection seat mm-hmm. killed his father that family should be millionaires that is true, honestly, yes. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, Lockheed Martin would be sponsoring that child's entire life. <laughs> exactly. Which we don't know if they did or not, but like, if I remember correctly, Tom Cruise does not create the spin, okay? He was the pilot. Yeah, but I think the plane malfunctioned, and then, then the ejection seat malfunctioned. He flew through someone's jet wash. We don't have to relitigate this. I'm just saying he would cut it too close. He was cleared of all charges in the court martial. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're not going to relitigate <laughs> Top Gun. Hey, let's get back into this Please, movie where we don't Jesus, like him. Let's do that. Anyway, so we get to the airport, and she can't find the tiny child that she has brought with her and she's yelling tom cruise is like can i help you find something you lady from the office that i recognize yeah uh, and she's like yeah it's my kid and he's like that weird kid high-fiving everyone it's, he <laughs> says it in a very sweet way though Paige. yeah he says it, i have it. oh curious gentleman is yes. what he calls well, she goes, him. let's go to security to go find your kid but first let's go say hi to this curious gentleman over here yeah yes i think it, this just serves to establish why she was like creeping on him because she knew him yeah and she was just like trying to listen on the story that made me feel feel way better about renee zellweger's character than she was just some crazy woman on the train who like lurked her way up to first class to eavesdrop on a random person's story oddly enough it made me feel worse because (laughs) then i felt like she was stalking him especially later when we like cut to her as part of that meeting she's like well what would you define a stock or the other lady i guess is like what would you define a stalking and they're like coming over uninvited she's like yeah i guess and i was like i think renee zellweger might have been stalking tom cruise for a long time <laughs> i kind of also felt that way because the Michael. sister is like you now know he's had a mental breakdown and is vulnerable you shouldn't date him and she's like this is my chance and listen she was right guys so like who's the bad guy her rationale, though, is like, hey, I dated the happy popular guy one time and it went terrible. So what if I tried someone who was desperate? And I was like, get to therapy. Oh, my God. <laughs> run. Run in the other direction. And hopefully the health plan has a copay. She's like, no one hits on me. I have a son. I was like, listen up, Sandra Bullock. I know for a fact. <laughs> listen up, Emma Stone. You're not invisible in high school anymore. All right. Here's where I will give her invisibility. Hear me out. She is a single mom. She's struggling with money. She lives with her sister. I bet the only places she goes 
is the office and home for the most part. I'm sure that that is true. Yes. So where would you meet someone, especially in the office where she is fucking invisible? Yeah, this is before apps. But if, if apps exist... Which they will in like 10 years. She'll be fine. Yeah, she'll get on Plenty of Fish at 36 and find Mel Gordon, who's 53, and they'll get married and they'll be happy forever. Stop ruining my future. (laughs) When she said to Bonnie Hunt, I'm 26 and a single mother, I was like, that's like Mikey's wheelhouse right there. (laughs) Yeah, 26 is young, Mikey. (laughs) I don't mean the 26 part, honestly, but like, how old do you think Tom Cruise is in this movie? Too old. I think he's probably 40. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's definitely 40 in the movie. Do you think he's playing a character that is 40? I guess is my question. I think his character would have to be 40 given the amount of time he's been in the industry and what he's accomplished. I think that tracks. I think he's got to be in his 40s or late 30s. I I got late 30s. And man, I would never date a 26-year-old. But largely because I wouldn't know what the fuck to say to a (laughs) 26-year-old. Yeah, I, I aim for about 30. Yeah, but like... Who I was in my early to mid 20s is so vastly different than who I was even at 30 that like it feels predatory in this movie, but it also feels like she is not emotionally ready for that relationship. I think that he is not emotionally ready for that relationship. He also and is I'll not. Say like he, they, well, okay. It's, it's yeah, all that's bad. Fair. I'm not sure either <laughs> yeah. of them are. I would say if anyone's ready for love again, because Renee Zellweger was married sure. before, it's her. It's not sure. him because he literally marries this woman like, I don't know. I got the vibe. It was like a month after he broke off his engagement. Like, yes, I I think it's less than that. Like she is definitely a rebound for him. Yes. I would not want my agent to be him because I'd be like, wait, you just broke off your engagement. Now you're re-engaged to this woman that now who works for you after you both quit your old job. I wonder why they quit their old job together. When did you start doing cocaine (laughs) would be my next like bit. Yeah. Well, here's why a, I think Renee Zellweger is kind of obsessed with him and stalking him and B (laughs) why it's all super troubling. Everything that happens because so like they meet on the plane, whatever when he gets fired, which we'll get to in literally just a second. Yeah. She's the only one who goes with him. And I think it's only because she has a crush on him. And it's this idea of like she throws everything away just because of this. Yeah. I don't think that you're off base. I think that is why she goes with him. I also think that's why the fish goes with him, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because they swim in the same stream. Uh, (laughs) But that carelessness in the face of someone who has only basically said hi to her once is so troubling um and it she says it's like oh it's all the stuff you said in the memo and it's like homegirl like the rent like money like health care like all the stuff that bonnie hunt brings up i don't think bonnie hunt gives her a shred of bad advice in this movie i think bonnie hunt is on base the whole time i don't think bonnie hunt i may be wrong about this page I don't think Bonnie Hunt has ever given a shred of bad advice in any Correct. movie she's ever been in. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then they they start working together. And as soon as he is no longer engaged, she starts kind of fostering a romantic relationship. Even though she looks like she's dipping her toe in it, she dresses up for the dinner. She, like, it's the whole thing. And like, it's one thing if you're just like, ah, I slept with my boss, weird lapse in judgment. No, the next morning she's like, I did it because I'm in love with him. Yeah. No, it's time for us to talk to a th- an unbiased third party 
about boundaries and expectations and patterns. You think she's a licensed accountant? Yes. Like a CPA? Yes. Yeah. She probably makes decent money. I got that they like her and her husband got married in college because she got pregnant in college. But I they think figured so, yes. it out and they both graduated. Maybe the husband dropped out to provide for them sure, yeah, while she whatever. finished. But like she definitely is a, an actual CPA. But right. yeah, like when <laughs> Paige, I don't know if you're gonna get to this in your awesome, I think, theory here about mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger, how she was stalking him. I do think she killed him. Let's talk about okay, it. Okay. That's where I <laughs> was Wait, going. What? Okay. Cause we you think she, she killed the husband? Yes. Yes. Paige. Yes, thank you. Okay, if you change the music and just a few shots, like if you lingered uh, on Renee Zellweger a little bit longer in this movie, it would be a murder mystery where she killed her husband and yes. Tom Cruise is trapped in this marriage. And okay. he's fucking next. Yeah, yes. okay, so hear, hear me out. I wrote okay. this in my notes page. Like I, I have yes. it in mine too. Thank you. I like that. Because the kid is like, my dad died and then my mom took me to the zoo, which at first made me think, oh, cancer or like a car accident sure, right. or whatever. Something sudden, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Which for me sets it up that like he was a good guy. He just died, you know, or whatever, like because which is usually the way. And then later she makes it clear that he was not a yeah, good guy. Bitch. And I was like, what? Because she's like, yeah, I tried that and it didn't work. And like all the horrible things that happened to me. And then she doesn't want to talk about it with Tom Cruise. Let's or she's like, let's not tell sad our sad stories. stories. I and wrote I was that like, down too. I was like, this shit's a red flag for me. I want to know your sad shit. You got to tell me she everything. She poisoned the Renee. shit out of him. Like it's, that would be the sad part. <laughs> no, that'd be the happy part. Yeah. That'd be the, you know, Earl had to die. That's like her and Bonnie hunt burying him in the swamp yeah, somewhere. Just modern day bell Gunness over here. <laughs> Everybody gets one fried green tomato. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that happens with fried green tomatoes too. Okay. Do you feel better about the power dynamics of the relationship if she murdered her ex-husband? No, I think it's still bad, and I think Tom Cruise is next. But I also don't think he's a great guy. So, like, I, here's my thing: what this ultimately is is too much in one movie. Yes, I agree completely. Yeah, because yeah. within this one movie, based on one storyline, we could write a whole different movie about a lady killing a guy. Yes. At some point, I'm gonna pick a. Elizabeth Town, another one of his films. Ugh. Same. He packs in a lot of stuff in his movies. I wish he had done Redeeming Love. Oh, <laughs> Redeeming Love. We just needed more. Love. We needed more. <laughs> but all, all I'm saying is like, you could have easily, easily left it as like, he was a great guy and he just died. And yeah. now she's having to like, I had a great love. How do I find a new one? That's a very clear and common motivation. I would argue if she had a good model for love in her ex-husband, I guess widowed husband or whatever, however you call that, she would not go to Tom Cruise. She would be like, oh. You're probably right. Yeah. Because the things that she hints about with the ex-husband, I was like, oh, she has a pattern. Of picking the popular guy and settling with the one who doesn't make her feel special. I don't know. My mom would fit well into the divorced woman's group. And she Mm. said, marry the first time for love. Marry the second time for money. Oh, marry the first time for money. And then when they die, you can pick whoever you want. But I would say that it seems like Renee Zellweger is comfortable in a pattern in which she is taking care of everyone around her, taking care of everyone around her yeah, and in a position where she is in some ways expendable. Like she is a thing to be moved around and had like 
She has no career aspirations outside of what makes money for his business to thrive. Like she has no personality traits out. And now this is probably the writing. <laughs> like now that I'm getting into it, I was like, this is the script. Well, what was uh, Kate Hudson's character like in uh, Almost Famous? Well, that's based on real people. But, yeah, but basically, groupie she wasn't is her she character. Wasn't, she wasn't her well character either. is groupie. <laughs> yeah. He might have a problem with women, maybe, yeah. maybe, because they do seem to be tradable in this film. All I know is Renee Zellweger deserves to be with someone that loves her as much as Chad loves jazz. Yes, <laughs> and she doesn't get that in this movie. <laughs> she does not get that in this movie. And let's let's move on because yeah, we spent so much time on this murder theory that I do think it, we'll talk about it further. Anyway, Guys, so I'm like. A prequel let's it's gonna happen let's go um but so <laughs> they find ray they're saying goodbye in the airport and ray is like swinging between them and i i want to point this out because i can't describe it except that his legs look fake like it definitely looks like a doll because the legs are like swinging wildly in a way that makes it look like there's no joints there what Yes, I go back and didn't watch it. Notice that I, I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't stop looking at it. It was so crazy because he's in like a little like a white shirt and black pants, almost like like a suit. Like I, I don't know why he was dressed up for the plane. Um, but as he's swinging, we get a close of him swinging between them, and she's like, "I'm sorry, is this annoying?" He's like, "No, it's fine." And then we get a wider shot of him swinging, and as they swing him up into the air. First of all, he looks too small for the size of the child as we see in the rest of the movie. And secondly, the legs look like the legs on It's a Small World, where they're just kind of like, bing, 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 bing. And I <gasps> lost my mind. I don't know why, but I was like, what? And I kept rewinding it because it looks so funny. I did not notice that at all. Watch for it next time you watch it, I guess. Um, <laughs> okay. It's a little treat. You can have little wonky legs as a treat. So she goes on and on about the memo. He is like, okay, cool. Do you need a ride? Because now I'm concerned for your safety. And she's like, no, my sister's here. And he's like, cool, bye. So we cut to him having sex with Kelly Preston, which again, he is a Scientologist by this time. Well, and so is she. And so is she. Kelly Preston, John Travolta's wife at the time, which to me, I was like, well, oh. she might not be getting it at home. Know what I'm saying? That, I, that's what I was thinking, Mikey. Hey, this is around the same time that big picture in that magazine came out of John Travolta kissing that guy. Uh, so this was a very strange scene for me, especially once I realized who it was. But it is a very funny scene of like, never stop. I'm, I'm going to kind of have to. Never better. Yeah. She is over the top enthusiastic. Yes. And then pulls away and is just like, if you ever wanted to watch me with another woman, I'd be down. I'm not interested in it. It was just a college phase. I'm going to get some fruit. And I was like, I don't think it was a college phase. No, she went into more detail beyond that. Yeah. I love that he immediately lays down and is like, I don't think we have to do the thing where we tell each other everything. Like, that's, yeah. this is a big overshare, I think. But then I saw their bowl of fruit and I was like, oh, that looks good. That's a giant bowl of like cherries and strawberries. I'm here for this. I'm not super into fruit, so I'm out. What? You don't like fruit? No, Fruit's I don't. It's amazing. It's the candy of the earth. Yeah, I'm a vegetable guy. I like vegetables and fruit. Oh, no. I'm fruit all the way. So uh, we cut to his bachelor party where they have the craziest 
craziest video yeah. of just women talking about him. I was like, who did this? Like, is this possible? Would women do this? What would my video look like? I had a very big existential moment. Oh, you <laughs> and Mikey, one of your best friends is a videographer and loves to do shit like this. Well, only one of us has interviewed people we've dated. All right, that's, that's true. You know, that's <laughs> I do follow some of your exes on Instagram, though, so I can reach I'm out. fully aware. I'm just much nicer than you are. <laughs> I could not resist the urge to say incendiary weird shit in a video like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great, but his love of teddy bears was just too much. Yeah, he made me like change his diaper and also he's got an extra ball. <laughs> like, I, you couldn't like, don't ever ask me to make one of these videos unless you want to start rumors. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like a running theme that he can't be alone. He like yes. has to always have someone around him, which I don't think he solves at the end of this movie. No, but it's set no. up here like it is going to resolve and that will be his character arc. We just see him reaffirm that he can't be alone. <laughs> but also it's confusing because part of the reason their marriage doesn't work is he wants to be alone and go off and be alone sometimes. Yeah, I know. Which like weird aside, be alone sometimes. Being alone is kind of good for you in a way. Sometimes you learn about yourself. Sure. And there are people who are like because of their jobs on the road a lot of the times and they have marriages and they make them work like th you can do that. I just yeah. I thought it was weird that they set it up that like that is a problem he has at the very beginning of the movie. And then by the end of the movie, he still has that prop like he hasn't changed at all. Yeah. Well, because it's not being alone, quote unquote, it's being vulnerable, which is the real problem. Yes. Well, and then which I mean, he does achieve that at the end yeah. for sure. But it's weird they don't just say that. Yes. Yeah. I was alone for a long time. And I think there are parts of it that, that make it difficult to be with someone because you don't just you don't get to just make all the decisions all the time like you used to. You have to involve the other person. We have uh, people coming to work on the house tomorrow and Jake's not going to be here. And he's like, you know where the sword is. And I was like, uh, OK, yeah, it's above the <laughs> like, head post. I'm pretty sure they're just going to put the solar panels in. Like, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. When they interview us for your ID to investigation discovery, be like, she said it wasn't going to be a big deal. She wasn't bum, said bum, it wasn't going to be a big deal. And then Kill Bill 3 happened. <laughs> it goes like a photo negative and like the red yes. are all, and the blacks are all red. Yeah. Todd and I just shaking our heads. Yeah. yeah. He told her where the sword was, but she couldn't reach it. <laughs> yeah. She was stapled onto her solar panels. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the helios killer strikes again <laughs> the sun rises on the kills of the helios killer uh <laughs> anyway this is why i love you guys because we can devolve from a, a page story into we just invented a serial killer <laughs> yeah guess who it was renee zellweger <laughs> i knew it <laughs> she's been talking about raw a lot recently Hey, you know what? Triflers need not apply. Um, <laughs> I would let her murder me. Yeah, I mean, Mikey, I bet. You could get murdered by way worse people, honestly. Yeah, right? You were so good in Bridget Jones. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't super love the work you've gotten done. Ah! <laughs> okay, now she might actually kill you. She might kill you. I do want to point out one thing in this video. It's the person that's been in more movies that we have done on this podcast than anyone else. And it's the girl who always plays a Russian model. I forget her name. <laughs> oh, yeah. She does. But come she's up one often. of the ones. And I was like, oh, her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we cut to the next day. He goes to his office 
and Regina King is there and super upset. And her kid is like taking a bat to all of his awards. I love that he's <laughs> going nuts. It's so fucking <laughs> funny. That kid's the best mob enforcer ever. <laughs> but like at like Legoland. Yeah. But you know what? He, he's at kneecap level. That's all I'm going to say. And he about to cap you in the knees. Dude, I will say Ray and Tyson, the two kids in this, amazing. They're so funny. Like, they're so good at what they're asked to do in this. And they're like eight. Anyway, so she basically, Regina King is like, look, you need to figure out my husband's contract and I'm not fucking around. And he's just like, all right, fine. But he kind of dismisses her because he hasn't been fired yet he doesn't really listen to her i mean he still has 72 clients total we hear him say it so he has 71 other clients right so like he's a busy agent at the biggest i would assume or one of the biggest agencies right sports agency yeah so like he is talking to the wife of one of his 72 clients like yeah i think he gives her as much attention as someone in that situation would give them which is to say not a lot. Not Which a lot. I feel like that is what he learns in this movie is that like the business model that he sort of was forced into taking and adopting mm-hmm. actually is a better way to live life. Yeah. You know? I do think he yeah. regrets doing that though. A <laughs> hundred. And I also, cause what we do, what we cut to next is his, him having lunch with Jay Moore who fires him. I don't understand why they fired him like i know that he put the memo out but if his numbers were still good and he showed no sign of changing his behavior no i mean he sent out that mission statement as he said but like he hasn't gotten rid of a bunch of his clients he's still working it like they want him to work it and he is good at his job yeah which is why i think it makes more sense that it should have been the hockey player dying yes and him being like i'm quitting yes i just want to take a few people with me yes because that would have made more sense like i don't buy the reverse wall street here where he like grows a conscience and realizes that money over everything isn't really healthy or whatever i don't buy that at all yeah uh, in this movie i feel like he regrets writing the manifesto and letting it get out yeah yeah, exactly and what happens is like they fire him and todd you and i work in office jobs once they fire somebody you go get your stuff and then you leave yeah the fact that they let him go call people yes was it escorted out immediately yes I know that at like a fancy corporate level, they negotiate resignations and stuff a little bit differently. And maybe that would have been the case. But it seems like he gets to work a whole rest of the day, which, first of all, don't do that. They ain't paying you for it. They fired you. Get out of there. Well, like, I mean, the only reason he's still in the building is because that's where his contact list is. Sure. But when he's yelling out to his secretary, hey, bring me my numbers. And she does. I was like, that's not how this would go down. No, nope. because he no longer works there. They would be escorting him out largely to, like, make it so he can't call the other clients. Yes. Let me tell you, if you think a public place is going to stop me. From making a scene. You've yeah. never seen Todd and Natalie at Chewy's. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like a positive emotion. No, but I'd be like, no, we're going to. Ha- I, I would have been like, here, throw the water on you. Also, I think they should have had another character, like a boss character, be the one who fired him, not his yes. like, former employee. It, it was it's there's some weird choices, like weird minor detail choices, which is weird because Cameron Crowe like really gets into the details. So it's weird that that happened. But, 
and but all that's what is bothering me. That's why it makes it seem like Renee Zellweger killed her first husband because there's so many details, but they don't work. Like they're the puzzle pieces don't fit. I have so many puzzle pieces, but none of them connect to each other. <laughs> well, I mean, you could argue that this style of film that he makes gets worse as he goes. That one set in Hawaii like killed his career. Which one set in Hawaii? I don't, I'm not a Cameron Crowe fan. With um, who was the girl in Easy A? Emma Stone. And with Emma Stone was supposed to be playing a native Hawaiian. What? Oh my God, that's right. I remember this. And Bradley Cooper was the love interest. And Bill Murray was in it. What? Yes. It takes this format to the extreme where you're just like, none of this makes sense at all. Oh my God, it was called Aloha. Well, but also her being a native Hawaiian was like a huge oh, thing where like- Oh yeah, it was whitewashing. Because yeah. obviously that's crazy. <laughs> like that's nuts. I don't know why anyone would do that. Wait, like native as in like ancestry or like she was born in Hawaii to Irish parents? Uh, no, they were like, she's half Hawaiian. Whoa, Yeah. okay, now that, okay, I understand why that would upset people, now, yes. Now, here's the thing. There are people who are half Hawaiian and may be closer to white passing. I'm sure. not going to say that that doesn't yeah. happen. One of those I'm people could have been cast. Stra- <laughs> those people <laughs> could have been cast. I'm going to say it's a strange choice for a movie when a you could have just made it someone who is is an islander, a native islander. Well, or this might take us down a, a road of let's do it. Maybe a Cameron Crowe degradation trail for the rest right. of summer. Because like this is probably the best he maybe almost famous, but th- that's barely a romance. Almost famous is a good movie. I don't think it's a good romance mm-hmm. either. No. Yeah, I'll do Elizabeth Town and then we'll do Aloha to see where it ends. That sounds terrible. Oh, oh yeah. Well, no, I mean it's gonna be real fun episodes because it's like they're terrible. It's gonna be like redeeming love levels of. Pet. I like Elizabeth Town personally. I mean, he also did We Bought a Zoo. I also didn't like We Bought a Me Zoo. Me either, man. He just has an interesting style where he's so detailed, but none of the details work. It's yeah, very what, interesting. Why? It's boggling my mind about this movie where I'm just like Aloha is worse. Can't wait. You could get way worse than this. <laughs> yes, you could get way worse than this. But let's get back into this movie. Yeah, anyway, they give him enough time to try and call his entire client list, which is crazy. Uh but he loses all of them because he ends up stuck on the phone with Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, that's the way it's played. Yeah. I don't think that's why he loses all of them. I know. I no. do think it's because he is no better than Bobby Sugar in the is this agent a douche category and they're going to stick with the bigger company, right? Which yeah. I get. I really liked when he's talking to the gymnast on the phone and he's like, yeah, like talking to her and she's like crying and then she's like call waiting and then she flips over to the call waiting and she's like completely changes her personality. It's like when your mom was yelling at you for running in the kitchen and then someone called and she answered the phone all sweet. Yes. Like it was <laughs> just like that. It was so funny. It, it did surprise me to a degree, but I think what has happened here is, you know, he was kind of right that less clients is the way to go because at 72, I don't think he was giving anyone the amount of attention that would make them loyal. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Where like, I think by the end of this movie, Cuba Gooding Jr. is never going to get another agent. Like that's his yes. guy forever. And those relationships, it can be super powerful when you find an agent that really gets you and like knows how to work with you. People stay with those people forever. Oh yeah. And he has not cultivated that. Agreed with any of his initial clients. And honestly, even Cuba Gooding Jr. to this part. Yeah. Right? Like he is just the same douche Bobby Sugar whatever agent right that's like yeah how he was raised in the business and that's how he is you know yeah but it is the opposite of his like manifesto that he wrote so like i do feel like he really likes this lane 
yeah. who wrote that manifesto didn't want it to get out and now like karma or fate is forcing him to live that manifesto and then I do think by the end of the movie he does have a very touching relationship with Cuba Gooding Jr. and I love their friendship but like that's it really like yeah. there's not much romance in this no but this is where he because now it's he's literally his last client uh, so this is where he's, you know, like, show me the money. You're my motherfucker. Like it's and people are watching this happen and they're just like, what is going on? <laughs> I mean, they know he's been fired because it's clear like that has matriculated around the office. Right. So they're yeah. just watching this unemployed man yell in his former office. Yep. So he goes to leave. He takes the goldfish, which is a wild pet to steal. Uh, not yeah. practical. I know we see the fish later in the movie, but like, why? These are the things you can cut out so it doesn't like mess with the pace of the movie. I do want to point yeah. this out. When he is like leaving his office and he does the flip out thing, mm -hmm. he really flips out. Like he does oh, his yeah. own stunts. What are you talking no, about? No, 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 no. I know he does his own stunts. If he and doesn't man, break an ankle on a movie, it's not a real Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> and it looks like he may have broken his ankle doing this because he like, Literally, like his body contorts in a very strange way. And I was thinking to myself, this is a man who gets violent and you don't know about it until you're being hit. Yeah. He he just seems crazy That's, in this You gotta moment. steer clear of those people. Yes. <laughs> but Dorothy, Renee Zellberger is sitting there with crazy eyes because she she's like, Hell yes. This is my chance. This is my chance. She wants it. And so she goes with him. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> there are bad indicators here. We already know you have a son. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Yeah. Uh, and they end up in an elevator with a couple who is signing to each other. And he signs, you complete me. Now, why she knows sign language, we'll never know. Uh, it's never comes back. It's just for this one moment. Well, her second husband... <laughs> okay so this is another conspiracy theory okay i think they set this up obviously because he says this to her at the end at the end when he says it the camera is so pushed and on his face and it's not exactly the same resolution as the standard camera i think they punched in on this because he's signing i complete you in the scene and they wanted to cut it out because you can see his shoulders moving as he's saying this to her. Who, Tom Cruise? Yes. Mm. And that's why it cuts in so close on his face there. I thought that too. Yeah. I Because I you do see him move and I thought that he was signing it just off camera. Yes. And I was like, why wouldn't you show that? Because like that's... I think they intended to initially, but for whatever reason decided to cut it out. And maybe, it, I don't know if maybe that would he be did offensive or maybe he did it wrong. I, I don't know, but... That's what it looked like to me. But and I think yeah. that that's why they're deaf. They don't just overhear him saying that. Yeah. You know, that's why you have to make Renee Zellweger for one scene know how to speak ASL. I think they just cut it out by pushing in on it in the actual scene where he says it. Yeah, it, it was weird. I thought you were going to say that she and Bonnie Hunt are actually the sisters from So I Married an Axe Murderer <laughs> after they kill Mike Myers instead. You cannot prove they are not. <laughs> Just saying. You yeah. can't prove it. So we cut to the women's group that takes place in Bonnie Hunt's house seemingly every time we're there. And <laughs> it is all women talking over each other. It is a cacophony. It is hard to listen to. 
just because it's too much sound, it is overwhelming. It's just because of the way they position it. Like, yes, yeah, it's just like everyone's talking all at once. And yes, but they're saying like, no one has carrots, names. Of carrots, of carrots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's just no real dialogue to speak yeah. of. Like it doesn't. It, it's yeah. just you know, women meeting up. I get it. You know, one of those second wives clubs or whatever. I don't argument against suffrage. <laughs> Should women be allowed to organize? Mikey has thoughts. Well, we're no. organizing for all y'all most of the time, so I'd say we're pretty good at it. Well, that's a lot of truth to what she just said there, Mikey. Not going to argue that. Let me just say <laughs> this. Uh, I close on a joke where I say that maybe women are fascinated by serial killers because it's nice to think about a man planning something for once, and it gets <laughs> near standing <laughs> ovations every time. <laughs> I have never had it not work. It's always a whole sea of women being like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But here's the thing, women out there. I'll be a single guy. So I'll tell you two. And this probably makes sense. The more I like someone, the more effort I put into planning something. Like mm. I will plan a really good date if I'm into someone. I'm very thoughtful when I'm very emotionally into someone. I think that's just you, though. But when I'm not, I don't. Sure. <laughs> I'm just like, you want to go meet up for like a drink at a bar down the street? Yeah. And I would say if somebody is taking the initiative to plan, it usually means they like you. But there are also people who are just clueless and never plan, never do any of it, never think about it. And then when you're like, hey, I've noticed that you never do anything, they're like, well, what do you want to do? Like, that's what it is, is like this learned helplessness. Some people hypothetically plan really well, but never follow through when you and Todd text them that your day's free the next three weeks. Yeah, Chris. Lock up Beastmaster night. I'm leaving this in. It was your idea. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. I'm leaving that in. That's staying. Because I know he listens. He texts me about it all the time. It's even worse because he's like, I like to pretend I'm hanging out with my friends. You know what would be better, Chris? If you Hang actually out with your hung friends, out with Chris. You motherfucker. I'm going to use this podcast to target my friends individually about things that piss me off. <laughs> you better watch out, Molly. You're Paige, next. Feel free. Yell at your sister or something. I don't no, know. No, my sister lives 300 miles away. That's what Chris feels like. <laughs> <laughs> and and no, I can't yell at anyone because I'm terrible. I'm the too busy friend. That makes sense. She does a lot going on, Paige's friend. Yeah, <laughs> mind your own business. It's not that I don't want to see you or don't like you. I am just so, I need to sleep sometime and Mine that's is a roll time. of the dice. It could be I'm busy. It could be I don't like you or... <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's just I don't like you as much as I like being in my house, not being around other people. Paige knows now that Paige is a landowner, she knows now there's an extra barrier to leaving your own land. Yes. <laughs> it's called the castle doctrine. <laughs> <laughs> and that is where we don't leave the house until we've watched every episode of Castle. Nathan Philly is the same. <laughs> Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's We're going to table that. But <laughs> on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my God, guys. This actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for factor meal. All remains of the pod. Heck yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals. Never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up. Just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. 
And I <laughs> have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I. And it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. Yeah. And I, I struggle with proportions. And factor comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used factor meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with factor, except for right now, because <laughs> factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancing the pod 50 and use code romancing the pod 50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the I end know. of the ad. I'm, I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Anyway, she puts Ray to bed and we cut to Tom Cruise, who is talking to Kelly Preston. And she's like, hey, you're not a loser. Did I say loser? Don't worry about it. Go to Texas. Save that one deal. Yeah. So he goes to Texas. He gets to Cushman's house. Sliders. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we're we don't sign contracts, but we're with you all the way bullshit always get that shit in writing get everything in writing anytime i've ever had someone say i'm a man of my word that person has already been thinking about how they're gonna fuck me over that is a Absolutely. lesson that cost me forty thousand dollars in 2020 yeah get it in writing trust no one especially when it comes to business always when it comes i will if you, you could say you're a man of your word outside of business but i'm like i'm like oh that's great if you're a man of your word, we're going to write the word down and yep. have you yeah. sign it. All the word we're going to put on paper and you're going to sign it. Also, yeah. it, it makes it a little unbelievable. I don't think a really successful agent would have done this. Absolutely no. not. They they wouldn't even talk to you without signing stuff. Yeah. Like the idea that he is his client without a contract already in place and that he's advising him is super dangerous. Like it's you never always get it in writing. Yeah. Even things as simple as like, one public appearance like i'm going to texas in july for three days and i have to sign contracts about what is going to be provided to me when i get there what i'm covering what they're covering what i'm expected to do while i'm there and places i'm expected to be to fulfill my contract obligations like get it in fucking writing every time yeah yeah anyway so he comes home and he's like perfect i i like i i signed him it's all good he calls. Never trust Bo Bridges. I mean, I don't know. He might be a nice guy, but get it in writing. Anyway, he calls Renee Zellweger. He's like, I re-signed him. We're good. It's going to be great. And he calls Cuba Gooding Jr. He's like, come to the draft with me. Meet us at the gate. So Cuba Gooding Jr. shows up and Tom Cruise ignores him the whole time. Basically, 
in favor of, of Cushman, except that he does walk the lobby with him. Yes. And introduces him to a ton of people. And he's like, you actually did great in the lobby. Maybe this mm-hmm. will come to something. It does not, though. It doesn't. It's really funny, though. But the reason this scene exists is because it wants to set up that Cuba Gooding Jr. does love football. And he loves talking to people about football and all of that. Yeah. But, like, he has a big chip on his shoulder, apparently, I guess. Because that's what Tom Cruise says to him. The movie really doesn't illustrate his chip. I don't think no, so, either. It, it illustrates somebody who is not being served by their agent and has not been been for a long time and has expectations that may be unreasonable and that's a conversation they could have had a long time ago but because he wasn't paying attention to his career at all now we're here like yeah i mean the the whole scene serves that purpose of just like this is what cuba gooding jr needs to work on and this is what tom cruise needs to work on but like tom cruise is not a likable character he just has like a bunch of bad things happen to him so we like sympathize with him but that doesn't make me like him and i think the movie confuses that and makes me it I think it's from the perspective that I should like Tom Cruise and I just never do in this movie. Uh, yeah, same, 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 same. I do same. feel bad Agreed. for him. I, I feel like most agents are probably not likable in the way you need for a romantic comedy. Yes, there you go. That's what it is. <laughs> like Ari is very likable in Entourage. He was my favorite part of that show, but he is not a good person and he would not, that would not have been a good romantic comedy. No, no. a good agent can sometimes be off-putting in their honesty. We see Tom Cruise attempt to do that in this movie with the like play with heart that's the most vague thing i've ever heard what does that even mean like i think what i really kind of needed is instead of some of these weird details we have i needed proof that tom cruise was like don draper levels of good at his job because like yes that's the thing where don draper makes sense when he's an asshole and you're just like who would follow this guy and then he walks in and he's like toasted not cancer and you're like fuck that's why he has this job oh my god like i needed that from tom cruise at some point you know i needed him him to come in and be like you need to stop saying this and you need to focus on saying this whenever people talk to you like Mm -hmm. yeah which is what agents do a lot of the time so anyway and he does say you're the best kept secret in the nfl so cooper gooding jr is good at what he does and the fa- the idea that he would be that good at football and no one had noticed and no one's talking about it seems crazy to me. And I don't watch that much football, but you me know. either. And Tom Cruise does say that Cuba Gooding Jr. did break every passing record they had last year, right? which might be hyperbole, but maybe not everyone, but he probably beat five or six of them, right? Because right. that would give him the credibility to be able to say that. Right. But like the fact that they're slow walking their best receiver is nuts yes that's great and for him to be like well he's five foot ten i want a six foot three guy i was like what do you care how tall he is if he catches everything well he did kneel during the anthem <laughs> that, that's way, that's way <laughs> after this anyway so up in the suite with jerry o'connell he finds out that they have been working with the other agent because the other agent calls he picks it up yeah dude the way he finds out is like heartbreaking though because he does pick up the phone Pretend to be Jerry O'Connell Because that's like the whole topic of the scene Before the phone right. call Was like How do I handle people calling me all the time And he's like Just answer the phone Say, say no comment be, be cordial Be nice But just say no comment So he's like Here I'll show you how to do it He answers the phone And it's Buddy Spe- Sugar or whatever The uh, the rival yeah. agent from the Bob his old, Sugar Yeah Bob yeah. Sugar Thank you And he is like Did you tell him Is he there with you Alright Well don't say anything But 
I got you hooked up at Denver, right? Don't worry about yeah. it. So Tom Cruise knows yeah. at this point that he has been fucked over. Yeah. I did think it was funny, though, after he gets off the phone, he goes and puts on the team. The hat. The hat that they're all wearing, the team, and then the last name. I was like, yeah. oh, that's a nice touch. Well, and the whole, the boxes of Reeboks and stuff. Yeah. And he confronts them about it, and they're like, yeah, well... You know, you didn't sign anything. So, like, we can fuck you over because that's why we didn't sign anything. Yeah, because that's what people are going to do if they refuse to sign a contract. Like, always get it in writing. Always, always get it in writing. Get it in writing and don't work for Dr. Luke. <laughs> Rules to live by. <laughs> anyway, so he loses the client. He goes and tells Kelly Preston, and she basically is just like, What the fuck? Like, you are a loser. And he's like, I think this is maybe not going to work, you and me. And she's just like, nobody breaks up with me. And so she literally physically assaults him. Yeah. Yes. Punches him in the face, in the stomach, and then knees him in the stomach. And he's like on the ground. I do think his joke was like, when Renee's out girl is like, that cut looks real bad. And he's like, I'm glad I didn't get into the ring she wanted. I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. But (laughs) he and Cooper Gooding Jr. fly home. And Cooper Gooding Jr. on the plane is like, look, I'm not unaware of what I am in the industry. I only have a shelf life of 10 years tops to play anything. Uh, I'm, I could be out of the sport within five years. I'm over 30. So like, yeah, I think that's what he's saying. Cause yeah. we know he's, he's at the five year milestone in the NFL. Right. So I think he's like, my shelf life is around 10 years. I'm five years and I only have five years left. I need to make yeah. lifelong money in the next five years, which is honestly not unheard of like these contracts yeah. that these big players get can be lifelong money if they manage yeah. it correctly which yes now, absolutely the nfl's changing where they, everybody gets a financial planner i think yes that is a very good thing because previously people would just oftentimes get tricked into spending money yes. and so it's like absolutely yeah. it's like when you win the lottery you become a target to scammers yeah yeah anyway but he's like hey i stuck with you so you're gonna work for me if i have to ride you to do it you're going to do it because I stuck with you. Yeah. Almost like I'm going to make you a success because you have to be a success because I have to get paid. So yes. he's like, I'm going to ride you until I get paid. Yeah. And he sort of does. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. They land and Tom Cruise, because he can't be alone. Allegedly, that's his problem in this film. He calls Renee Zellweger and she invites him over. Oh, and he's like plastered. He gets real drunk yes. on the flight, right? Yes. But also, he is her boss, and I know that she has a problematic relationship with him and maybe murdered her last husband. (laughs) If you had an eccentric (laughs) boss and they were like, can I come over, would you? No. Of course not. Are they hot? In this hypothetical, I think we know where Mikey falls on all this. My my thing is there's there is only a certain level of chaos that I will tolerate, hot or not. Like there, I have a limit regardless of how hot someone is. Uh, so I might not. I no, I agree with you. I think it's this is bad. I have a limit on my work hours. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, I will say that I think all of this plays better. If this is caused by deaths or concussions that he feels guilty for and him talking to her about it. Well, I think it does start because of the concussion he feels guilty for. But I do think. No, no, no. But I mean, like playing that part up and then having him want to talk to the person who came with him because she's also worried about players dying and stuff and not getting their fish would make this work better. Oh, yes. Like they're meeting up because he's like, oh, man, I thought he had a concussion. I'm drinking myself because I feel so guilty about it. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That actually does make sense, especially if the first guy actually died. Right. And it, and then like she's like, I really like that you have a good heart. Like all that stuff makes a lot more sense. This is just like my boss is drunk. I'm going to like 
maybe hit on him when he comes over. Maybe. Which is so strange in general. Well, he calls himself Clarence Thomas in this scene. Well, I mean, I he does some real Clarence Thomas ass shit in this scene. Yeah, he does because and and she like at one point she picks a shirt where she's Bonnie Hunt's like this one's the sexy one this one's the turtleneck and then when we see her in it I was like that was the sexy one like what is happening yeah it's super strange also I have in my in my notes I just have what is with that lamp and it's the low hanging lamp that should have a table under it but doesn't yeah because there's a couch corner right there I noticed that yeah too, just Paige. in the was, middle of yeah. the room it was weirdly laid out like I do think it's funny that he is drunk and he keeps bumping into it. So I get why you leave it in that scene. But like that, sure. that house had to be set completely differently the day before. And they just never changed that fixture. But also, Todd, like, I'm pretty sure this house is just a set. So like they put the lamp there. With the budget they had for this movie, they could have built think they the did? set. No, I'm just yeah. saying they could have built the set oh. for sure. Yeah. This movie yeah. seems very expensive. We'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah we yeah. will. But he comes over drunk and like doesn't really talk to her. She orders a cab immediately and he spends most of the time talking to her son. I do love this scene, though. It's so fucking cute. Very cute. I love that there's one scene in this movie where he just decided, I think, to yell every one of his lines. And yes. every one of his lines is yelled. It's not this one. This is the scene where he says fuck after Tom Cruise says it. And it's the fucking cutest thing I've ever seen a child Very say. Very cute. Yes. For me, when he says Go on and leave then. And is sad. I'm just like, oh, oh Paige, God, now you're gonna make me cry. Heart. Yeah, that broke my heart. Which is absolutely why he proposes to her. Yes, it is, Paige. Okay. Did anyone think it's wild that Tom Cruise never took him to the zoo until after the movie was over? You mean we never saw it happen? Yeah, I did think that was wild. Though he's still talking about it after they get married. I he's know. like, Will you yeah. ever take me to the zoo? I'm like, Oh, wow. He's terrible. He's a deadbeat yeah. dad from Jump Street, Mikey. He's terrible. Mm -hmm. Because this is the scene where they first like start the whole, you should take me to a zoo bit. Like, right. That starts here. Because he's like, my dad died and we went to the zoo. But then we we cut and paste between. Holy shit. It's the whole plot of we bought a zoo right here. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we cut back and forth with uh, Bonnie Hunt and Renee Zellweger being like, I have a constant reminder of the asshole I was married to. And we're like, how did he die again? <laughs> Please. Yeah. Why is that the one detail we don't have? We may have to exhumate someone's body, please. Mm -hmm. What body? If Renee Zellweger wrote a children's book about grief, big red flag. Like, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Ooh, that's very topical. I know what you're talking about. I get the reference. Thank you. Yes. She calls him a cab and they have this weird where he makes like a speech because again, it's like he's constantly lecturing everyone uh, and he's like, I'm the Lord of the living room and I'm drunk and he like sits down next to her and kisses her and goes full boob. Yeah. But in that scene, he's like wielding a fire poker. Like this is a person yes. we've seen be overly crazy. Like I would not yes. want him to be holding a metal a weapon and he's drunk anyway yeah. she does get away from him and they sit on the couch but Paige they're talking about like the manifesto that he wrote and she really loves it and I think in this scene he's playing it like yeah it ruined my life great fuck yeah like because he has not accepted the fact that he wrote that is where he's gonna end up and I do think he gets there at the end he's not there yet but then he does like lean in and molest her yes like kiss her and like grope her boob and the movie tries to be like well she wanted it and I'm like oh, she did not in this moment give any she called him a cab like there was no indication that that's what was going to happen and later 
when he apologizes for it because he does he's like i thought we had an understanding and i was like that she was just gonna fuck her boss like what like what was the understanding you thought she had yeah i don't know i mean i do think that it's i mean he does apologize even in the moment for going clarence thomas and then she goes well i might not sue and i was like I love that joke question mark <laughs> because I mean, I do feel like she knows at this moment she's got her next victim. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. There is a movie that <laughs> just came out. I think it's called Can You Keep a Secret with Alexandra Daddario. So the whole plot of the movie is she has a fight with a guy, tells her everything bad about her company, herself, like unleashes everything. He's like the billionaire that buys her company and his her boss, and then they start having a relationship. That's the whole Oh, film. you mean Fifty Shades of Grey? You just described Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. And I, I got heavy vibes about that, like in this one. Anyway, so he calls the coach of the Cardinals, and he's supposed to meet him at a bar. The guy no-shows. He shows up to the office the next day and is just like, here's what we want for the contract. And the guy's like, no, because he whines sometimes. And I'm like, is he being underpaid? Perhaps that is the source of the whining. Yeah. Well, and I think we come to find out he is and they understand that he is because at the end of this, he gets a better contract than they had hoped, you know? Yeah. And he basically is like, look, you drove prices up on me for years. So fuck you. And he's kind of getting the receiving end of what he sowed. He's reaping what he sowed. Yes. But he has a talk with Cuba Gooding Jr. And he's like, look, you're not getting the deals those other guys are getting because they're marquee players. You have attitude. And he's like, you're telling me to dance, but you can you just not do it? Because that's the whole reason I went with you. So like what's what's gonna happen now this is when they're arguing in the bathroom and this is when there's a giant sharps container out yeah (laughs) so if you look in the background you can see it it is full view but i also like that he says he's like you're hanging on by a thread and they're kind of fighting and having it out and he's like i think that's the difference between us you think we're fighting i think we're finally talking yeah which i think is actually like accurate to be honest with you Uh, yeah yeah but tom cruise can't be vulnerable i feel like that's sort of a problem he has right so yeah yeah well and they get the facts but it's 1.7 million it's a bullshit offer and so they're not going to take it and this is where uh regina king is like hey don't take it play out your contract and be a free agent i loved this moment for yes cuba gooding jr and regina king's like couple their relationship because he is like all right tom cruise just tell me what to do i'll do whatever you want me to do you want me to eat lima beans i'll eat lima beans is what he says yeah and regina king is like no fuck that you're better than that you're gonna do this this is the plan that we're gonna do and like builds him up and he goes with her plan and just like i think that's the right call it's perfect i love it he like listens to his wife and I love well, that. Well, and I, I love that, but I also love that he turns to Tom Cruise and is just like, I need you to bet on me the way I bet on you. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's fair. Uh, and at this point, I was like, how is there an hour and a half left in this movie? Yeah. I feel like we've already watched a movie's worth full of movie. But we cut to Renee Zellweger has been running the numbers and the business is failing uh, because they have no cash coming in. Yeah. And she's like, I know you probably want to be alone to think about this. Do you? And he's like, 
let's go out to dinner. Well, that's why she says alone like nine times rapid fire in the scene. Yeah. And then when he asked her out, she turns around and is like, I know a great place. Because she knew that that was going to happen. She's been planning this just like she planned her last husband's murder. They yep. deserve each other. But also, this conversation <laughs> seems like, let's leave the office and go get dinner. Yes. Not like, okay, pick me up Saturday. I was like, well, that's not really going to really help his stress. Like, the y'all stress yeah. in the moment. Like, yeah, the, the, this would be like, here's a, a diner downstairs. Like, let's go talk yeah. about this over French fries, you know, or whatever. Let's go get margaritas tonight because so much crazy stuff happened at yes. work. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's like a whole dinner thing. She dresses up and he's like, that's more than a dress. It's an Audrey Hepburn movie. And I'm like, yes, it is. She clearly believes this to be a romantic date. Yes. Which he says it's not to multiple people on while on the date. While yeah. on the date. Yes. In a way that is almost cruel. Because... So, like, we do get a, a moment where we find out that the au pair is going to introduce the child to Jazz. This is where you find out that Chad really loves Jazz. And I love that for Chad's he journey. really fucking loves Man, Jazz. Man, child associate. Okay? Yeah. She's dressed like Audrey Hepburn. He's dressed like he's going to Jurassic Park. Yes. But I, I feel like if you're in a situation where it's very, very clear that one person is more invested romantically than you you probably should set some stuff straight. Oh, and that's exactly what Cuba Gooding Jr. tells him to do in this movie before they get yep. married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like <laughs> fully agree, Paige. Yeah. I love that conversation. So did you have to talk with her? Oh, you got married? Well, that's a different way to do it, I it's guess. a different approach. Yeah. That's like <laughs> the opposite of the good advice I gave you. Yes. Well, and on this date is where, because I couldn't figure out why I was so just like, repelled by Tom Cruise in this movie. I mean, aside from the fact that he's kind of not a good dude, but this is where in my notes I wrote, every conversation sounds like a lecture. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. He's just tone 40-ing everybody. But (laughs) this is also where she's like, let's not tell our sad stories. But like, he doesn't want the band to play. Let's also unpack that she wore a little black cocktail dress and took him to the local Mexican restaurant. I That looks like a really good Mexican restaurant. I would restaurant. go to that restaurant for sure. I would love to go to that restaurant. I would not wear a suit is all I'm saying. Well, I don't think she expected him to wear a suit. He wasn't wearing one. She just wanted to dress up. I mean, she sort of explains it with, I just got overexcited about the prospect of having a night out with an adult. Yeah. You know, she's a single mom. I heard about that. And here's the thing. It's it's a nice dress. It's not like suit nice, you know? It's a nice dress and she looks great in it. I don't think yeah. they look super out of place next to each other. Same. No. And no. I'll say this. Natalie and I will go out like to Bar Taco, which is not like a nice, nice restaurant. Like it's... A bougie mm-hmm. taco joint, you know? Like, she'll look amazing, and I'll be wearing what I'm wearing right now. Like, cut-off jeans, shorts, and a, a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That kind of shit happens. So, but there's multiple times during this night where he's like, this is not a date, right? But right. she's like, she sneaks over to the payphone to call her kid, and she's just, like, looking at him longingly. And I'm like, for what? Like, all he has done is, A, correctly identify that you have put more importance on this than he has, and then spend all night being like, it's not a date, it's not a date, it's not a date. And then she's just like, oh, I love how he tells me it's not a date. They play it like this is the moment she falls in love with him. But if you just add one line of dialogue from her, it becomes the level of creepy it actually looks like. Yes. And that line of dialogue is, I bet he takes really good care of his skin. Because yeah. she wants to harvest it. I bet it tastes like pork rinds. Like, you know, whatever. How do you think that kid knows the human head weighs eight pounds? Oh, <laughs> 
my God. She heard Bonnie Hunt yelling that to Renee Zellweger as like, I can't believe you maybe bury the head. It weighed eight pounds. Yeah. Because yeah. also human heads can weigh a number of different weights, some more, some less. Well, they come in different shapes and sizes. Yes. I, like I an adult head. What's the average adult head weight? Uh, the average human head weighs around 11 pounds. That's more than most newborn babies in their entirety. Uh, and it's balanced on just seven vertebrae in your neck and is supported by around 20 muscles that are responsible for moving your head around and keeping that weight in place now just the skull itself is between five and eight pounds so but like with all the meat on it it's like 11 pounds hmm. you're welcome thank you i'll sacrifice my google search history to the fbi i know uh, right <laughs> how big of a crock pot do i need anyway <laughs> so they get to the door and after he has told her it's not a date all night he kisses her good night and they're like on the port oh god okay i gotta i gotta break down this sex scene we gotta talk about it you don't like the porch kissing <sighs> here's my problem it's on the porch where everyone can see it and it goes places right so first of all he takes her sweater off her shoulders fine and then he snaps the straps of her dress and rips them which by the way would also really hurt when he snapped them and also now she can't return it the next day she can't return the dress the next day but also <laughs> it just ruins her dress yes. and, and we know because when she ties it they're ripped right yes um and he just goes oops and i i would be like what the fuck dude and so then he's like, oh, I'll fix it. Like, I'll retie it. And he's kissing all over her neck and chest, which would be super hot if they weren't just outside where anyone could see them. And B, the score is bonkers. <laughs> it's like Randy Newman scored this sex scene and it takes you so far out of the moment I couldn't even get into it. And I just have in my notes, how is every part of this sex scene wrong? <laughs> But like, <laughs> I wanted to like it. I do love neck, shoulder action, super into it, but it's all wrong. So then they do this whole thing of like, you should come in, maybe not come in. Okay, he's going to come in. So she sends the nanny out who's going to be like, play the jazz when you guys bone. And he's like, um, okay. He's so excited about jazz, guys. Like, I don't think I can explain it enough. Like, he is only turned on by the sound of jazz. And hey, <laughs> Miles Davis, like, John Coltrane, that's like the best jazz there is. So like, yeah. I get it that he's like, yeah. Take this. He's a jazz sexual. I, I put them right yeah. up there with the scat man. Carruthers? That's a different thing in some communities. Mm -hmm. So you may want to clarify what kind of scat. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so they go inside and Bonnie Hunt is like smoking and eavesdropping and eating their leftovers. Love it. And Renee Zellberger goes, goes into like freshen up and take her hair down. And she opens the door to the bathroom and he's like superhero posing in that white shirt, perfectly lit. And that's the <laughs> one shot where I was like, I get it. Yeah. Yes. But then she comes back in, they play the jazz and he's like, what is this music? And I was like, it's John Coltrane, you fucking troglodyte. Yeah. But whatever. Jazz isn't my preferred sex music, but I can <laughs> no, understand I mean, how it would be for There's others. There's a lot of improv in this, in this selection. Yeah, in was it Mikey that said jazz is just music for nerds or something like that? <laughs> I think that's I, not wrong maybe i know i think you actually said that I on like an episode jazz, though i can't remember which one it was but like that feels true to me like i get that those musicians are amazing yes it's not for me though thank you so much 
for me, there's a time and a place. I like to watch live jazz. I think that's amazing. Yeah, you're like you're getting di- dinner at Sambuco and they're playing some badass yeah. jazz and you're eating your steak. Yeah, that's fun. Well, and, I'm here for and that. And watching people do it in improv is yes. super interesting. Anyway, so the next day he gets up. She's already in the kitchen with Bonnie Hunt and they're waiting for coffee. And she is like, so tell me about it. And when Bonnie Hunt is like, tell me about last night, I that's girl speak for was it banging though like that's what she wants to know is just like yeah she already knows he's crazy she wants to know if like he was also crazy in them sheets yeah was he laying that pipe like yeah what's going on right tell me about the business right yeah uh and instead this devolves into like you know i love him well, it devolves into like he's hanging on the bottom rung and he's looking for like a woman to cushion his fall. And I was just like, brutal, but like, all right. But like accurate though. But then Renee Zellberger goes into like, I love him. I love it. And I'm like, this is unhealthy. <laughs> this is bad. That is a wild first day. I've been like, oh my God. That's, that is not love. Whatever this is, it's not love. And then he overhears all of it and goes to sit down and have cereal with the kid. And I was like, man, I fucking want some Apple Jacks. Like that sounds so good right now. <laughs> I'd love some Crispix. Oh, it's my oh. go-to cereal, man. So good. No, bro. What do you like? Oh, I like a uh, like Quaker oatmeal or whatever. I Chris want a shit regular. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We've already had this discussion, I think. Yeah. If you're not eating Captain Crunch. Hell yeah. I don't like Captain Crunch. I'm out. Oh, it's so good. I don't like two sugary cereals, man. I don't like it. Fruit Loops are one of my favorites, but I also, man, I fuck up some Apple Jacks. I have not ate cereals in forever. I forget they exist and then yes. I will buy a box and then I'll be like, I am a cereal person for every meal of the day for like two weeks and then I'll forget they exist again. Yeah. So they, this is where they get the facts of the offer that's like 1.7 or whatever for three years. And so his wife, Regina King, is like, get me the other agent. This is fucked up. This is where she tells him to be a free agent. We kind of lumped it in with the other one, but... Yeah. We cut to she, uh, Renee Zellweger, is like, I'm going to take the job in San San Diego because you can't afford to pay me and I need medical and whatever. What if this conversation was, we're romantic, we don't need to work together anymore? Yes. Yeah, that should have been the conversation. I don't understand why movies don't just go that extra step. You know what I mean? Yeah. For specifically this movie, I think it's because it's written from such a male perspective. They never really consider what her life would be like and what she would have to do to make it work. Or that she has any thoughts or feelings of her own outside of making his life easier. Like, yeah, she's not a person in this movie. She is two dimensional. We do not even learn enough about her to make her a full character. We're lucky she has a name, basically. Anyway, we cut to him and Cooper Gooding Jr. Who's like, hey, uh... She's a single mother, so she has like a whole ass life. And if you're not invested, you need to fucking tell her that. But instead, he helps her move to San Diego and then proposes to her and they just get fucking married like it's not the worst idea on earth. I mean, he helps her pack up her house and then immediately unpack her house, right? Because he's like, more or less, to save money on medical benefits and housing costs, I'm going to move in with you and your sister. But also medical benefits... Through who? Like, Todd, you and I brought this up of, like, Cobra? What? I, I know, because anyway. he's unemployed. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. What does Cobra Commander have to offer when it comes <laughs> to health insurance? A comprehensive benefits package. Yeah. What is Destro doing in the healthcare industry? Destroying co-pays. Uh, so 
they get married and then they immediately watch their wedding video like right after. You mean the edited <laughs> yes. video that was shot and produced three minutes that ago? Day, I was yes. like, oh, th- that's the fastest videographer in the business right there. Well, Todd, I also remember this is 1996. So while, yes, there were produced and videographed oh, wedding it could videos, just be I think- like. A VHS I think it's just camera. somebody with a yeah, camera. Yeah, that actually yes. could be. You're right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But I wouldn't watch it the day of. I've been like, I lived this, so yeah. we can, we're good. No, I saw him looking real disappointed in the moment, yeah. and I still went through with it. Oof. But that's what that's what the tape shows us is that he yeah, doesn't look super happy about the wedding, and she clearly is because she's been planning it for three years. Yeah. Now, granted, I I think you could read his expression a couple different ways, but it definitely looks disappointed. I think he's just overwhelmed with the pressures of his day job and trying to make all of this work. And I also don't think at this point he's in love with Renee Zellweger. I don't think he knows her. I don't think there's a point in this movie where he knows her well enough to marry her. Well, it's a good thing that they get married in this moment and then stay together at the end of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, but we cut to he and Cuba Gooding Jr. While Cuba Gooding Jr. was like, hey, you've got to fucking tell her and shit. They have this kind of moment of like, you need to play with heart, which again, it's super vague advice. It's bullshit. But yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. plays and he's just crushing it, which I think he was crushing it already. So it doesn't make a ton of sense, but whatever. But he's so, going to crush it on TV later. And that's what makes the difference. Yeah, I guess. But we get a montage of him crushing it. Yes. Well, and this is also the passage of time because this is that thir- three month jump, right? Yeah. Yes. They're doing some married stuff. To- it's cutting between. Oh, yeah. But they're not doing the married stuff of like. Taking their son to the zoo, which they've promised no. to yeah. do they multiple times. They definitely don't go to the zoo. No. Yep. We do get a lot of shots of him traveling and like, should I call her? No. Calling from a plane is too expensive because do you remember the phones that used to be in the back of oh, the plane? Yeah. Yeah. Slide your credit yeah. card in or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I also think <laughs> he checks his watch because it's too late. He's like, I don't want to wake the kid and I'm not going to call the house just to talk to my wife for $18 a minute well, or whatever yeah, it, it would was be expensive you're right my dad did it once just to be like I had to do it once <laughs> but it was literally like we're talking for two seconds and then I'm hanging this up yeah <laughs> anyway uh we cut to the four of them Cuba Gooding Jr. Regina King Tom Cruise Renee Zellweger go out for like a double date uh at a crab and seafood restaurant and she goes into labor. But as like before that's happening, the two of them, Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger are watching them be Todd and Natalie at Chewy's just like all over each other's <laughs> yeah, faces. You don't have to make out at the table to be in a good relationship. That And I did, as I was watching this, I was like, they're using this to signify that they love each other more than Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger. I was like, some people just don't like to lick crab off their partner's face. Like the, yeah, they're wearing bibs and making out like it's a too much. Joe's Crab Shack, a not a good makeout spot. Yeah, no, it's not as good as Chewy's for sure. Yeah, I agree Chewy's, with that. Yeah, Chewy's, you got the queso. Yeah, <sighs> they got that spicy jalapeno dip. There you go. It's real spicy. Also, we didn't do anything like this. We just kissed a few times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Mikey tells a story, it escalates to like more torrid behavior. Mm-hmm. But I do love that they're like saying baby to each other, oh baby, and then he's like, oh, oh baby, because she was actually saying the baby is coming. Like I am going yeah. into labor. I thought that that was very funny. And then everyone gets up. He, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. grabs the kid and goes, "Y'all take plastic 
take it. And he throws his credit card on the table and they all leave. Yeah. Either her water broke or it was just so much melted butter. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we cut back to the house after I, I would guess that she has her kid. We don't see it happen. And they're kind of pillow talking. And he, she's like, so what you thinking? And he's just like, mm. and then the kid comes in. He's like, yeah, come in, watch TV, where he's like way more excited to see the kid than her. Well, they're like having a, a conversation they should have had before they got married, but it gets interrupted by the kid. And then Tom Cruise welcomed yes. the interruption, interruption. But Renee Zellweger clearly was saying, no, don't come in. We're yes. having a conversation or whatever. Right. But the kid mm-hmm. comes in. I guess that's the way of avoiding that conversation that night. But I do think this is like she Renee Zellweger wanted to have the conversation she has outside later when they sort of break up towards the end of this movie. The next day or whatever. Yeah, because that is the very next scene is like he's calling to let them know that he's going to drive out and he's going to be at all the games. And she's like, hey, I took advantage of you again. No, he was her boss. Yeah, I don't know how she took advantage of him. I don't I really do not know. Yeah, now she's making less money with no health care. Really good at taking advantage, for sure. Yeah, what a horrible person she is for taking advantage of Tom Cruise, I guess. I, I The one thing I thought is maybe this is them trying to be like, she has low self-esteem, so she feels like she doesn't deserve him. And I'm just like, this is a weird way to say that. And and it's strange to say that. And it's all weird. <laughs> it, it, Paige, she should have just been honest and been like, listen, the amount of work it would take me to hide your body is no longer worth it for me. So I think we should break up. I mean, he's only 5'8", though. You don't even need the full six feet. I don't think he's 5'8". You think he's like 5'4"? Yeah. I've never met him in person, so I don't know. I mean, I haven't either, but I do think it's funny that like, you know, he Apple boxes hardcore right on set. Yeah. But the place that you like can't do that is on the road during like press junkets and stuff. So a lot of times you'll see the like seat everyone else and then bring him out and then he'll be standing for a while before he then sits. And usually he's sitting not directly next to people. So you can't compare heights. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, It's really funny if you start to watch his, his bizarre media appearances anyway. So she does this whole speech of like, I thought I was in love enough for both of us. And I'm like, that's not how that works. You know, yeah, that's a it's non-transferable. But I mean, that's why it doesn't work. I think she is acknowledging that that is that doesn't work. Yeah. And that's why this doesn't work. But I do think she loves him. And I think that's it's the kind of love you develop over three years while silently stalking the hot dude from your office. <laughs> yeah. And planning his murder. <laughs> but I do. I do like that. What she says, she's like. I always try to make the best of things and you don't like to give up, which means that we could lose 10 years of our lives being polite to each other. Yes. And I think so many people do that yeah. where they stay together out of convenience. They're like, we are together because we've been together and that's not a good enough reason. <laughs> I think it is for some people, but yeah, like it's not for other people. I honestly don't really care why you're with the person you're with. That's a choice you get to make. But like, yeah, I do see a lot of people do this sort of thing. I mean, I care if you are miserable and as your friend, I have to watch and hear about you be miserable. Then I care. I've had a wild two weeks of being like, that being single is not so bad. Yeah. It's not. People have had some wild problems and people that I know and it's just been. Yeah. Anyway, it's not even technically a breakup. They don't get a divorce here. They like take a break, which is weird. I think technically you might could get an annulment. Yeah. He goes on his business <laughs> yeah. trip and, and, and like... I. 
their whole thing is just wild because it's only three months. I do yeah. think that this conversation that Renee Zellweger is having with Tom Cruise is the precursor to a divorce, though. Yes, like, sure. It is them acknowledging, sort of clearing the air that we should never have gotten married. Let's just sort of undo this. You're going you're gonna to go because that's part of your job. Like, he does need to go right. or whatever. But, like, we should talk about coming apart in a, some way, you know? Right. So we cut to him on the trip with Cuba Gooding Jr. And he's having to now fight off Bob Sugar because now Bob Sugar's like, oh, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. or Rod Tidwell is his name in the movie. Yeah. Is right. actually like really good. And now the team is in the playoffs. They're not in the playoffs yet. They have to win the next two games. To They have to win this one and the next one. And yeah. uh, that's why it's like a sort of a higher stakes game, but not right. a playoff game. Like they're not in the Super Bowl. Right. But it will be the first time the Cardinals had been in the playoffs for like 23 or 27, 21 years, something like that. They say it in the, in yeah. the movie. It would have been a big deal if they had made it. Yeah. And so he catches at literally at like buzzer, like as the, the game is ending. He catches a touchdown pass, but we watch this pass and it looks like he breaks his neck. Like they practically body slam him into the ground, yes. like pile driver him. It's real rough. Um, and we have like a tense few moments where he's unconscious on the field. Tom Cruise is on the phone with Regina King. dude. That, that And their back and forth is so emotional. Like she is such a good actress. Mm -hmm. She's doing yeah. a great job. He is there. Um, well, I mean, he is literally just be like, I need you to stay calm for yourself and for your family. Like, he is that kind of character. But she, like, right. what she has asked to do in the scene is, like, be a grieving. Yeah. Like, she, she's thinking, like, he died. So, like, it's so sad for her. And that is super coming through. She's so good. Yeah. And so he comes to, and not only does he wake up, but he can run around. It's this whole thing. And they hug and cry. Yeah. Um, because they won the game and he's okay. And we get a shot of, like, they keep, they toss in a handful of football players who were famous at the time, but if you're not a football person, it's useless to you, so it's just uh, extra time. The guy at the end was, John, yeah, did you have it? Well, there's John Elway and Troy Aikman at the end. Yeah, it was, I think the one that actually has the line. Is John Elway. Yeah, like, why aren't you yeah. like that to Bobby Sugar or whatever? Yeah, yeah, why don't we have that kind of relationship? And he tries to hug him, and he's like, no. <laughs> I, I did love that because, like, he's the kind of agent that would hug you if he knew he could manipulate you right. that way. Right, He would definitely do do that. And, and the movie's trying to, like, bookend the beginning with like a yes. second concussion and his wildly different reaction to this one of running to the field. Right. But like, I still think you've put so much shit between those two moments that it doesn't really yes. fall. doesn't really land like it's supposed to. Yeah. Well, and so th this all happens. He's fine. The media is there. They're all excited. And then Tom Cruise runs home and is just like, hi, I'm looking for my wife. And this is the big scene of like, <laughs> like you, I love you. You complete me. And I'm like, they barely know each other yeah. at this point in the movie. I do love when he comes into that room. It's like a, it's like the ex-wives club for lack of a better term. Right. And he's like, I'm looking for my wife. And I was like, wow, man, way to make sure every other person in this room is fully against you. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm looking for the one woman in this room who could stay married. Like that is, I think the most offensive way you could ask for your wife in that moment to the people in that room. Well, I think the people in that room are played as a joke and, and kind of a misogynist one at oh, that. It is. Yes. <laughs> you know, And so I think this is just one extra like, haha, fuck them whiny bitches like that. 
is what it is. That's the reason I called it out because I completely yeah. agree. I was like, wow, yes. I don't even think whoever wrote this, probably Cam and Crow, realizes that that is like the worst thing you could say to that specific group of women. Yeah, well, not only that, just like, and here's the thing, maybe not, maybe some of them are happy they're divorced. Great. Good oh, for I them. know many people who are happy they're divorced. Yeah. It's just calling it out of just like, oh, she has a man and you, it's like, what the fuck is this? It's gross. It's also the things that the writer is making them say in those scenes where yes. you hear them because it's always stuff like, like re- even in the scene, Renee Zellweger gets up before Tom Cruise gets there and she's like, sure, men are evil. They're the enemy, but I still love the enemy. And I was like, I have never heard a woman say anything close to this. I've said that sometimes, but like <laughs> for specific <laughs> that's, men. That's fair, I suppose. But if you were married to Tom Cruise, I would get it. But Jake is a yeah. saint. I know I would never say that about Jake anyway we cut to that TV show where everyone cries and we find out that he lost a brother in a bass fishing accident which is hilarious it happens Paige it happens but this is also where we find out that he signed a contract for four years and 11.2 million which is more than they thought they were gonna get yes and he thanks everyone including Jerry so we cut to later where Jerry and Ray and Renee Zellweger are walking through the park and Ray picks up a ball to throw it back to somebody and he's got a hell of an arm on him. Yeah. And so... So now he loves his family even more. Exactly. Even more. And we end on a, a shot of Dickie Fox who is like Tom Cruise's mentor that keeps popping in throughout the rest of the movie. But I'm like... We have no stakes in who this guy is. We don't really care. But he is used solely as a narrative device to sort of tell you what Tom Cruise is learning in the scene we just watched. Even though he's not learning it at all. Right. It's such a weird choice. It's, It's sort of like in Rocky Horror Picture Show, they have the narrator character, right? Yes. But he's played... A lot for comedy. He sets up everything. And then when it cuts to him, it's comedic beats. Yes, absolutely. He serves a similar purpose in this movie, but it's not funny. So you're just like, yeah, okay, thanks. I don't need you, but thanks for taking a three minute runtime in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) So much stuff bloats this movie. It does. And I think this movie is iconic because of like three scenes yeah yes but yes. there's 300 scenes in this film yes and, and that's, that's the movie. movie so having seen the movie having talked about the movie what did you guys think about jerry Maguire? i still kind of liked it but that's me if you break it down, like all romantic comedies it's really fun to like not think about but once you do it doesn't super work great i think it and mikey i agree with you i think it does work If you were like us, if you're like older white dudes, this movie's for you. And I get that. And I understand why it's not good. But this movie wasn't for us. This movie was famous because of women in the 90s. Mm. I don't know that that's the case. Although this was, I remember, heavily marketed as a rom-com. Yeah. It did. Well, I, I, I don't know that you could definitively say it was women in the 90s. It's just people in the 90s. I honestly feel like it is just the perfect marriage between like a story that will appeal to 90s white dudes and mm-hmm. a sprinkle of romantic comedy so that we can convince our girlfriends to go let us see a movie about this guy falling in love with his NFL player. Right. Falling in friendship. Not love, I should say. But like, yeah, you yeah. know, it, to me, this is really like a buddy cop comedy where like two people of opposite like types come together. If that's all it was. I would like it a lot more. If this movie had no romance in it, I'd be on board. 
the ro- every romance piece is awful. <laughs> yeah, this movie is two movies smushed into one. Like, yeah. is it a agent realizing that he actually should care for and it makes him a better agent when he cares for his clients? Right. I'd watch that movie with Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Love it. Great. I'd yeah. prefer it with Tom Hanks, but sure. <laughs> Tom Hanks would be great. I do think it if you took out the romantic elements and really like played those up, that could be a good movie too. Yeah. It's just the movie is trying to do too much. So it's super long. Some things are set up and don't pay off because they get lost in the shuffle of trying to make a cohesive story at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just not a great movie, but I understand why people like Mikey and I like it. And I also understand why, Paige, you don't. Like, you yeah, shouldn't. Hard pass. I get it. Yeah. like Hard hard pass. I feel like compared to last week, I would I would rewatch Always Be My Maybe over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. With glee. And I never need to see this movie again. I feel the same. I loved Always yeah. Be My Maybe. Like, I was talking to Natalie about it after we recorded that episode. I was like, I didn't say this, but like, I think that that's probably the best movie we have done recently. For recently, the podcast. for sure. Yeah. It's I so think it's good. one of the best we've done. Yes. It's definitely top ten for me. Well, we don't we don't pick movies that are yeah. great. We no, pick no. movies that are famous rom coms yes. like this yes. one, which is yes. wild. Yes. Anyway, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Tom Cruise, fun, fun facts. facts. So Renee Zellweger admitted in interviews that the day that she was cast in this movie. It had been so long since she worked that when she went to an ATM, she actually didn't have enough money to withdraw anything from the ATM. Oh, wow. Wow. So she said, show me the money. There you go. Well, and she wasn't a nobody actress at this point. I mean, she obviously went on to do a lot of other things after this for sure. But she had been in movies before this. Yeah. So Jonathan Lipnicki, who plays Ray, uh, just showed up on set one day telling everyone that the human head weighs eight pounds. No one fact checked this. Oh, my uh, God. But writer, producer and director Cameron Crowe liked it so much that he just put it in the script. He was like, yeah, say that whenever you want. (laughs) (laughs) He says it in the scene where he's literally yelling every line. Yes. I love that scene. He also, in the scene where they're talking in the living room, that's completely ad-libbed between the two of them. So the things like the zoo and everything are like ad-libbed that then had to be like sprinkled throughout the rest of the movie to make sense. I sort of love that because he is, he being the child is so good in those scenes. I love that they're like, we just got to get him to say whatever sounds great, and then we'll build around that story later. <laughs> yeah, which is especially weird when you realize that Cameron Crowe spent three and a half years writing this script. I don't believe you. I think he spent three and a half years fucking off and then came up with this script very quickly. No, I'll I'll disagree. As oh. as someone who has has written shit... There is a point to which you need to just step away from it and it needs to be done because if you don't, you just keep adding and tweaking until it becomes a hot mess like this. Yeah, and this is right after Almost Famous, so he's probably given so much more creative control, right? Almost Famous is 2000, so Almost Famous comes uh, four years after this. Okay, well. Paige, Mm -hmm. if you have to run. I do, and I'll explain... Hey everyone, it's Paige. And if you're listening to this, that means that you've probably listened to the episode wherein I run out of the room halfway through fun facts. A little explanation. I am currently in Tokyo as you're hearing this. Either that or I've just gotten back. It's one of the two. I honestly don't fully know. But before leaving Tokyo, I had to do a photo shoot for the LA Times. Now, personally, 
I thought it was going to be at the same time as a different event at the same place. I got it mixed up and got a phone call mid podcast that was like, why are you not here? The photographer is angry. And so I had to leave. (laughs) So sorry. But I didn't want to leave you guys without fun facts. So you got some in the episode. Here's some more for you. Um, Tom Cruise, when meeting Bonnie Hunt on the set of this movie, did not remember that they had worked together in Rain Man. And at first, he thought it was a joke when she said, oh, it's nice to see you again because we've worked together uh, because he did not remember. I don't know how you could find Bonnie Hunt forgettable. She's like the best, most memorable queen, but apparently he did. Now, at the end of the movie, Rod Tidwell, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, is being interviewed on television and Jerry Maguire is congratulated by a lady. Now, she is Winter Olympian champion Katarina Witt, and she's standing next to Lee Steinberg, who is the inspiration for Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire is actually based on a real guy. Um, And Lee Steinberg then introduces Jerry to Troy Aikman at the end. So that's an extra little, you know, athlete fun fact in the middle of it. Now, Lee Steinberg, real person, uh, is an Orange County agent, and he he does, as I just mentioned, make a cameo. Um, and his ex partner David Dunn, ex partner as in business partner, to to clarify, tried to lure away many of his clients, just like Jay Moore does in the movie. But ultimately, Steinberg retains a lot of his clients and is very successful on his own, despite severing that business partnership. And that's kind of what a lot of this movie is based on. Now, the part of Dorothy, played by Renee Zellberger in this movie, was originally written for Winona Ryder, and Jerry Maguire was written for Tom Hanks, which, again, I said this multiple times in the episode, I feel like Tom Hanks would have knocked this out of the park for me, and I feel like I would have gotten a little bit more of that empathy and maybe his, like, reason for wanting to get out of the business. Uh, I think maybe Tom Cruise's intensity is a little distracting. I think Tom Hanks would have killed it, but he was unable to do it because he wanted to work on his passion project that he was directing, his first directed film, That Thing You Do, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I'm glad that he was not in this because then we wouldn't have That Thing You Do. Uh, Winona Ryder was unable to commit to the movie, but she did do screen tests. So they did get at least through the screen testing process. But on film, they thought that she and Tom Cruise looked like siblings when standing next to each other. Uh, I don't think they looked that much alike, but apparently they did. Um, but either way, she had scheduling conflicts. It was not able to continue. And so Winona, so Winona Ryder was out. Renee Zellweger was brought in. But I think that probably explains why they went with somebody like Renee Zellweger looks wise, you know, to kind of differentiate more. Now, Cameron Crowe, uh, after writing this movie, uh, when asked in interviews, hoped that the Quan, which is uh, Rod Tidwell, a.k.a. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, his phrase uh, would become a more popular catchphrase than show me the money. He was very wrong. Show me the money is the one that endures, obviously. And Bonnie Hunt, in conclusion, because she's the best, has said that one of the toughest parts of this movie was playing a character that doesn't like Tom Cruise. Um, And those are your fun facts. Sorry for running out on you, but you know I wouldn't leave you hanging. Have a great week.
Well, and thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So, Mikey, now that it's just you and I to let's close this out, me. let's really yeah. get into it. So, um, do you want to guess what the production budget was for this movie, Mikey? $45 million. Shit, you're actually pretty close, Mikey. It was $50 million. I almost went 50. Yeah. This movie looks expensive. There's so many locations. There is. So many things yeah. going on. Dude, the football scene at the end alone was probably expensive as shit. Yes. Because you see him on the field. They're not using like game day footage you know no. they are using footage they captured with cuba gooding jr on the field like that has to have been super expensive but if you adjust that for inflation that would be 96 million dollars today that's a huge ass budget yeah now this movie came out on december 13th 1996 so right christmas season it was number one the weekend it came out it beat Mars Attacks. That was number two. I hated Mars Attacks. I know that might be <laughs> blasphemy. I hated it. I've never seen it. Uh, 101 Dalmatians was number three. The Preacher's Wife, which we've also done, also premiered that weekend, but was number four in the theaters. And number five in the theaters was Daylight. Another notable mention would be Jingle All the Way with six. And First Contact, the Star Trek movie that I'm sure you're a very big fan of, Mikey. You know I am. Was seventh this week. Now, what do you think Jerry Maguire made in its opening weekend, though? You said number one, right? It's number one. I'm going to say $30 million. Okay, you'd be a little high. It was 17 million dollars okay uh okay. just over 17 but if you adjust for inflation mikey that's 33 million dollars today so like if you would pre-adjusted for inflation you'd be right on now this movie was in theaters for a good long while it was in theaters from december 13th 1986 to july 4th 1997 a total of 30 weeks it was number one its first week and then number two for almost a month. And then it dropped to number five. And then the week of January 24th, it was number one again. And then, Jeez. Yeah. And then it slowly trickled out of the top five. Paige can say what she wants. But I remember moms and women going bananas about this film back in the day. Well, because Paige isn't here, she can't say what she wants in response to that. Yes, so I'm going to argue <laughs> against her now that she's not here, and I feel confident in it. I wasn't old enough to like be paying attention to the marketing of movies, but the general vibe of this movie, when it was explained to me as a child and when I watched it was, it was a rom-com that was about a sports agent, so there were some sports in it. So it was like good for both people, right? Yeah, if I'm right, y'all get on the Facebook group and tag me in it. I, I don't mind tags when it says I'm right about something. Right. It's only when you're wrong about something that you take issue with it. Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think it made domestically in the box office, Mikey? I think 115. Oh, Mikey. Maybe more. Yeah, it is more. It's $153.9 million Shit. just domestically. And then it made $119.6 million internationally for a total of two hundred. And $73 million, it's $273.5 million, technically. In today's money, that's like what, like 500, like 600 million? I'm so glad you asked, Mikey. It's $528.9 million today. That's a shit ton of money. It made a lot of money. That's Avengers level money. It um, is. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, less than the Avengers budgets typically are because they're like 150, 200 million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this yeah. even today would be 98 million dollars. So this made great, great money. It did very, very well. 
But that is your box office. So I think we know where Paige stands on whether they're together or not. Yeah. Do you think they're still together? Yeah, I definitely think they are unhealthy enough. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I also come at these pretty optimistically. Yeah. Where like, I, I thought he's, you know, I bought that he's trying to get better. I think they muddled it up with like a bloated script. Me too. But her too. I, I hope they're still together because I think he really did fall in love with the kid first and her second. Because they got married after three weeks Yes, I think that they rushed into it And he wasn't really in love yet And I do think at the end of this movie He is experiencing the feelings of love towards her That I think is new for him in this movie And that's why he goes to her and says The you complete me thing Like I I do buy all that I just don't think it lasts (laughs) I do think that he ends up being lifelong friends with Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, though. And I think that that is what this movie ultimately really is about. Romance scale, 1 to 10, where are you giving it? I'm going to give it a 1. There is no romance. I would say on a bromance scale, a 5. You you cannot give it a 1 because it has the iconic scene. It has the... One of the yeah, most quoted romantic comedy scenes of all time. Okay, okay. You complete me. You had me at hello. You had me at hello, Todd, which is basically like that whole speech I gave you before you left, I took back. Yes, absolutely. Hey, uh, when I stood up for myself and I wanted to let you know that I deserve a a full partner in this relationship, don't worry about that. The fact that you showed up here probably drunk again makes me want to be with you for the rest of my life. The bar was set low. You showing (laughs) back up was literally all I needed to confirm that we are in this. Yes. And listen... I don't think it's super romantic, but maybe a two. There is a little bit of romance. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Just because those are the only two romantic scenes I think are the ones that people quote all the time. They are. I mean, we, it's part of our sign off and you complete me. Yeah. It's it's everywhere. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's our uh, romance uh, scale. What's next, Todd? Yes. I feel this is like a weird bro energy we've never had, but we've never... I don't think we've ever done a podcast all men. We haven't. This is a, a strong bro hang energy. And listen, yeah. we don't hang together enough IRL. And Chris, if you're still listening, this is what you're missing <laughs> out on. Now I really do have to keep it in. <laughs> yeah. When you don't plan Beastmaster night, even though you planned it, yeah, you're missing out on this. You are. This Top shelf banter. Now, this week, Mikey, you made us watch Jerry Maguire. It's Paige's pick. It's my pick next week. Oh, is it your pick? Yes. And I have chosen to pick a movie that we wanted to do last year during Pride Month, but couldn't because it didn't come out yet. Okay. And that is Bros. All right. I have not seen it, but it came out in October of last year. Paige really likes it. She'll be really excited. Yeah. She said she loved it. I I was hoping that I would have the first spoilers pick for Pride Month. And because I do, I'm picking bros because that's the one I wanted to see. Uh, And I've been putting off seeing it when it was in theaters because I wanted to watch it fresh for the pod. So your homework for next week is to check out Billy Eichner and his movie called Bros for next week. Sounds good. Yeah. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Not yet. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review wrote on the podcast. And that's to leave us a five star text review. And we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? People, I need some more reviews. I'm going to scroll down, scrolling down. I'm going to scroll down to a random review. Stop. Do it. Molly Jack 32. What does Molly Jack 32 have to say? Incredible, immaculate, no notes. <laughs> I like it already. This podcast single-handedly got me through finals. Oh, the one below says Mikey is daddy, period. Oh, God. Mikey, 
You are daddy, period. Oh, boy. <laughs> this podcast has cleared my skin. Cleared your skin? Wild claims. This podcast is the only thing that can keep my attention. I love this. <laughs> this is a good review. No notes. 10 out of 10. And the hosts are hot. Salute emoji. Five stars. Well, Molly Jack 32 thank you so much for the awesome five-star review. And if you were paying attention earlier in this episode and you are actually 32 years old, if you're single and have a child, Mikey is single. Lady. If you have one child... Who is cute and you are cute and you want another child. Mikey is accepting applications. Yeah. Please send written requests to our P.O. box. Mm-hmm. But also send your written requests to our five-star reviews and we'll have Mikey read it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good transition. <laughs> Leave your best pickup line for me on the reviews for five-star reviews and I will read it. I love this. Can you embarrass me with your five-star review? So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin, and that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on, but Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at rampage wesley everywhere including tiktok except for twitter where she is at page wesley mikey is at m randolph 24 and i am at todd j awesome everywhere and guys we got a p.o box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a p.o box it's actually not a p.o box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 nolensville road number 108-34 brentwood tennessee 37027 so send us some stuff yeah and that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm todd and you complete us <laughs> to completion i have a head that weighs eight pounds <laughs> it might be only six inches but it smells like a foot bye <laughs> We'll see you next week, nerds. <laughs> <laughs>